April the 8th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have a busy time in the world of sports, and that's how we love it here on That's What G Said. So on this particular episode, we're going to have a lot of horse racing. We'll get to Friday and Saturday racing. We will go Friday Keeneland, Friday Santa Anita, Saturday Aqueduct with David Aragona. He joins me to talk about the four stakes races that close out the card. Saturday, Santa Anita with Chappie. We talk about, uh, I think, four of the Santa Anita stakes races throughout the card. And then NBA with Eric. We close out the NBA season. Just a few games remain. We talk about what the lay of the land looks like. And wrestling with Chad Cooper. We recap NXT, their stand and deliver show. And we talk about AEW, what was going on with them this week. So NBA, Friday, Saturday racing and wrestling with Chad Cooper, a couple different guests to help us out with the Saturday action. And you won't hear Sam Houston on here. I'm going to do specific uh, releases on social media for Sam Houston because these are the final couple days of their meet, Friday night and then Saturday night. Uh, We'll also have a couple different things going on this weekend if you want to join me. Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, this weekend in Stable Duel. If you come and join me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. There was going to be a live stream it's going to go probably about 90 minutes or so. Barry Spears is going to join me. Matt DeSantis joins me every week. And then this week, uh, Mike Rennie is going to hang out with us, and he's going to give us a couple of his best bets. We're going to talk Friday and Saturday best bets for Keeneland and for Santa Anita for Stable Duel. And then later on Friday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, Matt DeSantis is going to join me, and we're going to basically talk about all of the big stakes races for the weekend from Aqueduct, Santa Anita, Keeneland, and then we'll talk about the three races that start the three mandatory payouts at Sam Houston on Saturday night, races six, seven, and eight. So lots of stuff happening this week. If you were looking for any type of information about WrestleMania, we recapped both nights of WrestleMania on a show earlier this week. We've already got that covered for you with Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, and Chad Cooper. We've also got a full Masters preview if you want some help over the next couple days, taking a look at uh, some of the golfers that we liked. We had Josh Burrow check in with us from Golf.com. He was live over at Augusta, and Scott Shapiro shared some of his best plays for the weekend uh, earlier. And uh, we previewed every Major League Baseball team because Thursday was opening day for baseball. Just so much this week. always love uh, getting into all these different subjects, all these different topics. I'm sure a few of you are wondering about Moon Knight. Oh yeah, we're going to have Moon Knight episodes 1 and 2 coming for you early next week. I'm, uh, I've got a recap, uh, a little setup with Tim Kelly this weekend to dissect episodes 1 and 2 of Moon Knight. But right now, we're going to get into some NBA on this episode that is presented by Better Than Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets. Flip those notifications on. Jonathan Papelbon going to be part of the baseball coverage for Better Than Vegas. He was on the show on Thursday morning, every Thursday, noon Eastern time. Papelbon will help dive into the slate with Blackjack, Kyle, and Biho. Uh, Just a crazy schedule of content going on right now. Monday, we got Mohawk Mania, Tuesday, NBA show. Once NBA playoffs start, we're going to have preview shows every day of the play-in game and the NBA playoffs. We'll have everything going on in the world of baseball, Mohawk stuff Mondays and Thursdays there, Uh, comedy shows, the lineup, the backdoor cover, so much content. It's all free at BTV, and go play along at BetUS. 
Let's dive into NBA right now with Eric. Last few games of the season, where does everybody stand? NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? Final weekend of the NBA. been here with us uh, each and every week, and now it's the last few games. Eric, we don't really know. That's, I guess, one of the positives of the play-in is that towards the end of the year, you have a lot of these games still mattering, but it makes it a little bit harder for us as far as trying to see where everything's going to stack up because we really don't know for like half the series what they're going to look like. No, we don't know anything. Uh, you know, big domino just kind of fell with the Bucks beating the uh, Celtics to take over the two spot. And uh, Friday night, the Cavs and, and uh, Nets play. And I know the winner of that will have, home court advantage for the 7-8. So the play-in tournament is going to start on Tuesday. That's going to run from Tuesday through Friday. So Tuesday we'll get the East 7th versus the East 8th, and then we'll get the West 7th, which are the Clippers for sure. I guess that's what we know now for sure, that that's the Clippers. They're going to be playing against the West uh, 7th, who's probably going to be Minnesota. I guess still isn't quite technically clinched yet at the time that we're recording. Then on Wednesday, it'll be the East 10th versus the East 9th. And then the uh, Pelicans Spurs will play each other in that uh, in that game. And then on Friday, we'll get the winners of um, and the losers of those uh, those games. So throughout the the week next week, it'll be playing stuff. And then the playoffs actually begin on Saturday games and, and series tip off there. And we, you know, we'll get the uh, the first couple rounds. Conference final, uh, semifinals are uh, slated to start May first. We uh, first few days of May, May second and third, and then the conference finals, the May May the seventeenth, eighteenth NBA finals start early June, June the second NBA game finals and uh, NBA finals game number one there. So we got the important dates coming up for the uh, the rest of the NBA and. We're pretty just kind of looking at the way that the standings are now. Not, the, nobody's really battling to get in anymore. The Lakers have been eliminated now, and uh, so they're on the outside looking in. And so we know what the 10 teams are going to look like playing in both conferences right now. It's all sort of just a little bit of jockeying about who's going to play who. Exactly. Yeah. I just have a couple. I mean, Pelicans and Spurs are locked in. Clippers play the Nugs or... The Timberwolves, more than likely, the Nuggets. I mean, that would be quite a collapse by the Nuggets if they don't get in. I mean, they're up what nineteen right now, and they play your Lakers on Sunday. Yeah, so they, who who won't have any reason have, yeah, to play yeah. even any of the so, the marquee. I mean, they're up. I mean, yeah, their Nuggets are up right now by nineteen. So, I mean, it looks like we'll just assume it's going to be the T Wolves Clippers. So in the West. Right now we got Phoenix at the at the one spot. We've got Memphis at the two spot. They're definitely locked in there. And then the the three and the four and the five still could shift around a little bit. In particular, the three and four. Now Golden State, after winning a couple, they've jumped back up into the three spot. Them and Dallas are going to be really close to each other. And then Utah's right behind them. Utah and Denver are likely going to be battling. You know, for who's going to be fifth, who's going to be sixth there. So we'll probably get matchups of those four teams against each other. Most likely it'll, it'll probably be golden state Denver is what it's looking like right now. 
And then a Dallas-Utah series That Dallas hosts there If not, it will probably be just different combinations of them And then for the top two teams It will be, you know, Phoenix and Memphis Playing against combinations of the uh, The play-in, which I mean, if you're a team up there Like Phoenix or Memphis And you both had these fantastic years Right? Phoenix was so good Even with some of the injuries they had to deal with They've only lost 17 games right now They're 63-17 and And then Memphis had Jaw went down And they had a great start early And then everyone just sort of wrote them off And oh yeah, Jaw's going to be done And they're, they're going to be in trouble And then Memphis, what they lose? I think like tw- something around 20-3 and three or so without Jaw 22-3 and three without Jaw Yeah And it's kind of like You look at the big landscape A, you got Devin Booker And historically when you have like The best player on the team with the best record Usually wins the MVP He's nowhere to be heard Or at least gets more More conversation about it Right Gets more pub Is like you said He's in the top three to five And he hasn't really been Talked about Talked about at all Yeah You know um, And then you look at Jenkins The coach of the Grizzlies I mean You go 22 and three Without your best player And your team's second In the Western Conference Sitting at 55 and 24 And you're getting Absolutely no talk about Coach of the Year candidate because of what Monty's doing with the Suns. I know so it's you know it's kind of it's kind of like a weird year, and I mean like I was looking at it, the one team in the West that I think that could beat the Suns right now, Dallas Mavericks. I agree. They're the team. If I was if I'm gonna bet one team, if you if you asked me right now, as far as who do you think wins? Based on are would they be a good bet? Are they a good price? Are they worth playing? To me, it's Dallas. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Actually, their defense has been at twenty-four to one to win it all last weekend. Yep. Yeah, and to their defense is what has really sold me on them more this year than in years past with them because I think I've always looked at Dallas at least with Luca and as a team that could probably beat anybody in a series. Because Luca could be the best player on the court every single night and absolutely carry you. And we've seen how how nuts he he goes in uh, in the you know playoffs and in big games sometimes. But they haven't had enough offensively to help, and they would go th- they would just crater late in games, and teams could go on crazy runs against them. Their defense is really good. They've been like a top five defense all year. They've been a top two or three defense in the last month and a half or so, and. You, I know people don't think so because everybody wants to score. But if you don't have like a certain level of defense as a as a floor, you're just not going to win the NBA Finals, and you're probably not going to win a college na- a basketball national championship. Like if you're not at least a an average to slightly above average defensive team, you're not going to win at all. You're just not. No defense wins championships. You have to be able to get stops at. Few moments. I mean, like my team can outscore your team, but there's going to be a time where you need to buckle down and get a stop. And the Mavericks can do that, and they have a player that can create off the dribble, and arguably one of the better players in the league. Um, another one, kind of like Booker, is getting no MVP pub. Um, and you know, then you bring in Spencer Dinwiddie, who can take some ball handling pressure and playmaking abilities off of them, and then. Jalen Brunson, who's like the perfect complement because he doesn't, he just goes out there and gets his. You know, he'll post up, he'll he'll bring it up, he'll stand in the corner, he'll shoot a three. 
And uh, Powell is very underrated defensively. That That's a legit big man. And that, that was a, a sneaky good uh, draft pick by them a couple years ago. They're plus 1,000 to win the conference and plus 24 and plus 2,400 to win it all. Yep. I, I'm sitting on the 2,400. But, uh, you know, because just from like a gambling that, standpoint, like you look at everyone and if you're looking at the prices right now, you know, I wouldn't I would never play a team like Phoenix because they're just not I. That's not the way I play futures or, you know, I'm not playing a team that's going to be plus 115 to win the conference and have to win, you know, difficult series like that. Golden State plus 440. I wouldn't want to play them. Memphis plus 600. Still, still some question marks. I want to see them have to prove it. You know, Utah plus 950. Dallas just makes the most sense from a like a price standpoint and a team that legitimately has a good enough defense and has a team that is led by a guy who could be the best player any single night he steps on the floor. They're they're the team for me that I'll probably try to ride, you know, in in a lot of our uh, BTV NBA previews. We're gonna be doing a lot of these now because we'll probably be pretty going pretty close to every day with uh, with the play in games and then when the uh, the playoff series start it'll probably be more like short shows every day but it'll give mm-hmm. us a good opportunity cuz when we check in here more like once a week or every few days it's a little bit harder at least there we can go day to day and give you all of the information if somebody got yeah. if what happened in that last game we can immediately sort of react and you know get an idea and get a better feel for it so we can get numbers in a little earlier if we wanted to look ahead to the, the next day's game. So that's going to make things a little bit easier for, for us and for our coverage. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm looking at a game and being able to, like, kind of get all the information the day of makes it way easier to gamble. You get the lineups and everything. You see the matchups. Um, real quick, did you see the stat with Mitchell and Gobert? The passing? Yep. How, how many passes, like, per game? Two per game. Two per game. Not not two assists per game, two passes per game. Yeah, the, that's that's one of those things that you can't you can deny and say, oh, we're fine or this or that all you want, but that something is just jarring. Yeah. Because Kobe and Shaq hated each other. There have been a lot of people that played with bad guys out there, bad teammates, people that were really awful human beings, and they got along on the court or on the field. And you know, think of, I'm sure you've done the same thing. I have. I've worked with people. I've worked with people I don't like. I work with people I don't like sometimes, and or people that you're pissed off at, or somebody says something that you got to bite your tongue over. You really want to say more because it happens, you know, all the time. But you sort of are professional, and you get until you get to the point where you just sort of don't give an f anymore, you know. Yeah, and that yeah. sort of feels like where they are right now. It feels like for the last couple of years they were like. Let's try You know Donovan would be like I'm gonna try a little bit more And now like if you're him If you were Mitchell And I know it shouldn't work this way because it's not how It's not fair because Gobert is a good defensive player Right but if you're Mitchell He probably looks and goes Why do I pass this guy the ball offensively ever Yeah I mean I would What is he gonna do that is better than me taking a contested three Yeah he doesn't have any offensive game Really Screen assist to death they're in a bad spot right now. They just don't feel good at all, this Jazz team. And it's it was a, another, like, ripe year for them to just be – if they were just their good regular season Utah-type team this year, they would have been probably the number two seed and in really good shape. And, you know, Phoenix had a bunch of injuries. Jaw was out for a while. Golden State had a bunch of injuries. 
Dallas had you know new pieces and they made a big move and they went sort of smaller and so things had to work out for them. They were under 500 around Christmas time and it would have been a perfect year for Utah to at least just get a high seed, get themselves home court advantage. The Lakers were awful. The Clippers, all their team got hurt. Like this the West was never more wide open and they still struggled this year. Yep. And I mean, think about what was it last year they had the best record. Um, and they waited with the Clippers gonna, when they got hurt. I mean, that thing is blown up. I mean, it's it's done. Uh, they'll probably get a new coach. Uh, Quince, Quinn Snyder is going to be out. Then they'll probably trade uh, um, trade Mitchell and get some young pieces. I know he wants to go out east. Maybe Quinn Snyder is going to come to the Lakers. Yeah. That's the, we'll talk about that tomorrow on your show a little bit about what's coming yeah. next for the Lakers because I like I actually like uh, Frank and we don't have to spend time on the Lakers because I will agree with one thing that people say like we are going to talk a hell of a lot about the Lakers like tomorrow on your show and then in the off season about what moves forward but if we were talking just an NBA show and talking about the playoffs and stuff the Lakers don't aren't in the conversation. You know, they're not in the playoffs and people get mad when they get focused on when they're not very good and they weren't very good this year. They don't really deserve to be, you know, when you're talking about these other good teams in that conversation, they deserve to be in the holy shit. What happens segment that we're going to have tomorrow with you and and moving (laughs) forward (laughs) Uh, because they get they get a segment all onto their own. But I do feel a little bit bad for Frank Vogel because I think he's done a really good job with the Lakers for a couple years. I don't think he did a very good job this year, but I do think he just didn't. He's sort of like um, he's he wants to be like a teacher, you know, and I think that wasn't going to work with this group of guys. He wants to say, okay, here's the way we're going to do this. This is what we start. And here's like our here's our, um, you know, like our uh, plan for the year. We're going to do this, and then in a few weeks, we'll instill this, and then in a few weeks, we'll we'll start to instill this a little bit more, and then by the time here, we're going to peak towards the playoffs. Our defense is going to be great. He wanted everybody to to go by the fundamentals, and they were just like, screw that. We're, we're past that, and he didn't do a very good job readjusting, and he didn't do a good job of putting this group in their best place to succeed. He had a horrible hand that he was dealing, but he could have done a better job and just said, okay, screw it. You know what? What I want to do with this team isn't really going to work. So if I want to get them to at least be a little more competent, I've got to just say, I, you know, I got to screw the defense stuff as much with this team. I got to, because they're not going to be able to do that. I got to try to outscore some of the other teams. With the, he just, he just didn't, he was really a little bit stubborn this year. So that's a, that's a little teaser for Eric's podcast tomorrow. But as we uh, continue through the West, Eric, you know, the team who we haven't, Probably talked a whole lot about the last few weeks Because I, they've been a little disappointing You know, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 Felt like they had a couple opportunities to jump up And, and you know, get into either the 5 or the 6 spot And not have to worry about a play-in Is the Minnesota Timberwolves And they remind me a lot of Cleveland On the other side Because you feel really good about their season They were yeah. probably a little bit ahead of where they should be But you, you the difference for them Of just getting a series and being able to play at least four games in really high intensity in the playoffs versus just the the you no know, maybe the two playing games i just i feel like it it even if they get swept in a series you feel like oh cool okay th- that may be a nice growing pain for them along the way so hopefully they can win and get themselves a series because they're going to be in a tough spot having to play against the clippers team with paul george that's been playing pretty well right now 
Yeah, I mean, getting a series is so important. I mean, you can take that top, that next step. And, I mean, if, let's face it, the Pelicans, I mean, this sweat that I have for their over-under, I think it was 38. I may have already hit it because I'm at 36. Spacing and what number I got. Pelicans are playing great right now. Um, and when you have, I would hate to have to play the Pelicans. You know what I mean? The Spurs, I'm really not that worried about. Nothing against that. But if you had to go Clippers but, and then Paul George had an awesome game and then you got to yeah. drop down and play a Pelicans team that's, Playing pretty well That's that's tough and I mean You got Ingram playing great McCollum playing offering some leadership And uh, their coach I'm spacing on his name I mean this team started out what 3 and 13 1 and like 2 and 12 Zion didn't play a game this year Yeah he got those guys to really Buy it I mean this guy has done a great Job they're peaking at the right Time like um, yeah the Timberwolves Could be out of it out of it pretty quickly which again would be a bummer for them because they've had a really nice year and we'd like a love to see these young teams that overachieve a little bit early on be able to to take that next step along the way but uh, they're uh, yeah they're going to have a couple tough games if they uh, if they lose that first one and then uh, end up having to deal with a, a Pelicans team anything else on the west you want to discuss before we bounce over to the east um i'm worried about the warriors yeah i really am me too uh, you know, if they play Utah, yeah, you know, I'm not really worried about Utah. Me too. That's a good matchup for them. If they if they play a team like Denver, though, I'd be a little worried. Just as crazy as it sounds, with Joker and like they really like can Draymond really contend with Joker? You know what I mean? Like they don't really have the size or anyone that can really do anything with them. I mean, granted, like Clay could get hot and Poole could go off. Steph, we don't know what's going on with them, but I'm I'm a little worried about the Warriors. I think they're kind of primed for an upset. Warriors, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to play them to win it all. And uh, yeah, Dallas, the more and more we sort of talk it out as we look through the West. And a little teaser for tomorrow, I'm going to join Eric on Friday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Twitch, and we're going to talk about the Lakers and uh, sort of what happened this year and, and what, what, goes, what goes on next. Uh, yeah, and we're going to be live, so like, if you guys are in the comment section, you can like chat with us. We'll like answer your questions live too. So a lot of fun on Friday as uh, we get over to the East and we've got Miami up top right now. And <laughs> there were just a whole lot of jockeying in the two, three and four spots. So, so it's Milwaukee now, right? Jumped ahead of Boston. Yeah. Milwaukee, we, Milwaukee owns own, own. I believe they own the tiebreaker with that mm-hmm. one now. And it was kind of an interesting game. And you know what? I'll give I'll give Coach Bud credit in these games like this because he did the same thing last year. When it's one of those things and you could match up against somebody like last year, like it was a situation where they arrested everybody and they lost, they would avoid the heat. He played everyone. They rolled out there and they got the heat first round. I mean, more than likely, whoever won that game tonight is going to have to play Brooklyn first round. Because they're going to be locked into the two seed. Uh, Brooklyn's going to play the cat more than likely play the Cavs in the play-in game, and if they win that, they get the seven. So I'll give I'll give Bud credit. He rolled everyone out. Celt, Celtics sent Tatum. You know I'll I'll give I'll give the Bucks credit. So you can't. I mean, you know what? I think it's the best way to do it. I don't like playing yeah. that game. I just don't yeah. because, like we said, it's it's too hard right now. Because then what happens if? It's it's in one game. Cleveland could absolutely beat Brooklyn in one game. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, if Mobley comes back, Mobley can guard Durant. 
I mean, I said it. Mobley it's more likely in one game than in a series. Yep. 100% more likely. You know, because things can get fluky. Durant could not have the greatest shooting game in the world. Kyrie, we've seen that happen with him too. Cleveland could, especially with the shooting in the NBA. One game situations, crazy stuff can happen. In a and if it were small series or any type of series, yeah, of course, more likely that Brooklyn would wear them down. And teams are shooting the three really well against Brooklyn right now. Their defense is got, not playing well. Yeah, marketing can hit from the outside. Garland can hit from the outside. Cavs got some guys that can stroke it. So if they just get one of one or two of those guys that gets hot, because let's face it, right now Brooklyn's rolling out there. Kevin Durant, who in my eyes is one of the top two players in the league. And an out of shape Kyrie Irving, that and and just three and just three dudes. That in my eyes, that's what the Nets are rolling. Yep. I don't, I don't think the Nets can win it with what they have this year. So I don't know. Like I just, I, I think they're prime. Like if they play a one game series against the Cavs, Cavs could get hot. If they yeah. play a one game series against the Hawks, and you got Capella, Young, Trey, Bogey, Hunter, Herter, you know all those guys. I mean, they could. That team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That team's a little battle tested. They came back from three one against the Seventy Sixers. So yeah, I think you know you got to play it out because you can't just assume Brooklyn's going to get there. It looks like it'll be Atlanta, Charlotte in the nine ten. Winner of, of that game will jump up and play the loser of Cleveland, Brooklyn, most likely. And then um, yeah, those are those are playing. And then uh, the Bulls, I think they've secured their spot. They are. Going to be playing against uh, whoever ends up as the three seed because the Bulls are are pretty much likely. Honest, they're not going to win a game. Like they, I, I'd be surprised if they won one game in a series. I mean, doesn't look like Lonzo's going to play. De- defensively, they're such a liability. Without I mean, they needed so lost defensively. They were fine when they have Lonzo and Caruso because those two guys will always at least give you one good perimeter defender there at at any time throughout the game. That you can stagger them and even have some times where both of those guys are on the court with DeRozan or Levine or someone else. But when you don't have at least a good perimeter defender and then you don't have really a whole lot of good size either because Vucevic has never been a great defender. He just throws his body oh, up and tries, but he's just lost. A, no, he can't. He can't like on switches and stuff like that. If you try to go small on him, he's just he's a bigger body. And so that's the problem is they need. They need everything for this team to have a shot And they, yeah, they feel like one of the teams That's sort of going in the opposite direction Of a team like Toronto Who you kind of feel pretty good about right now You know, Toronto's all the way up to the 5 seed They're going to they're gonna be 13 or 14 games over 500 this year And they've had a lot of issues So they will probably end up playing a Philly team That'll be they beat tonight Yeah, and it'll be not easy for Philly They will have a bunch of different guys They could throw it hard in and they'll try to make it difficult on Embiid And they'll go you know, smaller with him So it'll be like one of those back and forth games Where I think that'll be a long series I still think Philly could will probably end up winning But I won't, you know, from a gambling standpoint You sort of could see it being like a a real Okay, this happens in one game And then the other team will have to adjust And go the other way And then the other team the next game will readjust this way It sort of feels like that type of a series Yeah, I mean, let's, yeah I mean, they beat them tonight. They like with Van Vliet set out, uh, OG and Anobi set out. I mean, Raptors beat some, held out some dudes, and they still beat 76ers who were full strength. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I, 
I think the 76ers team, I'm not just not, I just don't think the pieces work well together. And I think they're going to, I mean, if they don't, if they lose, okay, they're either going to lose. I don't, I don't see them making it past the second round of the playoffs. Matchup wise, they uh, probably will be locked in uh, against Toronto right now. Yeah. We'll see what happens. And I, I I'm going to play a Toronto future there. I'll play Toronto to win the series. Just because I think Nurse is a better coach than Doc. Oh, he's a much better coach. I get, um, I just get worried about the only concern that I have is that Philly is actually okay enough defensively. Like they're just they're not like a like a poor team that uh, that's like got some good offensive weapons and no defense. Like they're fine enough there that Toronto could just have stretches where they just might not be able to score. That that's my Jack only worry with him. He's playing Jack great up, right now. He is. Playing he's playing like, great. Some really good ball. Trent shooting the ball well. Van v- Van Vliet is a solid floor general. Um, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, like I don't think I, I think who anyone in that plays them, they are going to be a really tough out. They're a tough team to t- to play match up with. I I just worry like sometimes like we say, if Harden plays a B plus version of his game, not even like you know unbelievable. There, there's going to be a lot of times where they aren't going to have one of the better players on the court late in the game. If those guys play like really well, maybe Van Fleet steps up and outplays someone like Harden. It's so funny the way in my head I remember, you know, the Toronto's run a couple years ago when they won it all with Kawhi. In the first round, Van Vliet was awful, awful, so bad. That it would have been like, oh my gosh, the the moment's too big for him. This guy's is like one of those regular season guys who can come in and you know light it up. And then as the playoff series went on, he got like better and better and better. It was funny because it's just it all you you got to be good. You got to get a little lucky too, right? Because if if they didn't, if he was on a team that didn't win that first round. He might have been thought of as a playoff guy that wasn't any good, but he got the opportunity to keep it going. And so it's really funny how you, you know, the perception of someone like that who we look at and he's had really good playoff moments. And I don't think of him as being someone even back to college who would shy away from big moments. And that, that's probably like if you were the, if you were Philly, oh, you'd so much rather play the Bulls. Oh, for sure. And then also, like I heard from a, or Boston. I think Boston too. I heard from a reliable person that, uh, D'Antoni is going to be their coach next year too the Yeah I could, I could see that Because Doc was one of those yeah. guys that was rumored To come to the Lakers with which would be Hilariously worse than Vogel by a lot because at least Vogel Has an identity he's a good defensive Coach Doc doesn't really have a good Identity he's a good he's a guy That you know He's not good with X's and O's and In this era of basketball I think you Need you need at least one or two guys on your staff that are really good X's and O's guys. If if it's not you, and that uh, that worries me a little. There is uh, yeah, Milwaukee. I mean, you, you just sort of look at the way the East stacks up right now, and and that's my only reasoning for thinking Philly isn't just completely able to be eliminated because I wouldn't go make create my team with these two guys to win a title, but. Haven't felt all that great about Miami Even though they've won five in a row And they're trying to kind of shift and and flip that narrative now But I don't know about them Miami and Toronto I kind of feel like Are are the sort of similar type teams That are going to be really tough outs But I don't know how good they really are I think they'd need to run into teams That that just didn't play quite their A game You know Boston's going to be in some trouble Without their size right now 
And so I just keep elim- The Bulls I don't believe in I definitely don't believe in the, this what we've been seeing from the Nets lately or in any of the playing teams. And so for me, I kind of eliminate everyone down to for sure stacking the Bucks above. I mean, like I just think the 76ers might be okay and everyone else might not be all that great or quite as great as we thought in the East, you know, throughout the year cuz maybe they're hurt right now or not playing all that well. It does look like the Bucks are in a, a very nice spot. Currently with the way that you know looking around And seeing the lay of the land in the east Yeah like <clears throat> Excuse me I agree 100% and it kind of got You know a couple years ago You know it was kind of like what are the bucks what is Giannis Going to do to mess it up now you watch a game and they're Down and it's kind of like Okay what is he going to do to save the day You know what I mean it's kind of crazy like how You know narratives and everything Can just change as soon as you get that title and I Just kind of feel like we talked about it before They're just kind of going through the motions trying to Make sure everyone's ready to go and making sure everyone's healthy. Um, I'm a little worried though. The one thing with them though, is they're defensively at the guard position is lacking. That's their one really weakness. Um, They did out of nowhere sign this guy from Argentina. He plays in the Argentina professional league. I really know nothing about him, but reading about him, he's supposed to be like insanely good. He's supposed to come in and can play for the playoffs and be able to contribute right away. So that would be their one weakness. So that would be so funny team, if this guy came in and hadn't played and just all of a sudden gives them. A I mean, few he's minutes. not. Yeah, I mean, he's not. No, that's all. He's going to give you a few gonna, minutes off the bench. But that would just be yeah. hilarious if this guy came in and was able to just be a body and help them contribute. I love that. So yeah, it was because they were rumored to sign. Um, oh my god. Um, what's that guy's name? Tyreek Evans. Remember the guy that got yeah. um, former king. Yep, suspended for using cocaine. But I guess something happened in the workout where it shied him away. And um, so, they, yeah, they brought this guy in. They brought, they signed Carter, uh, who, um, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't know this guy. I mean, this guy played, this guy's a 26-year-old guard. You know, he played for the summer league a couple years ago for the, for the Nets, but didn't make the team. I guess he's been doing pretty good in. Argentina league so we'll see uh, We'll see if he can do what he can do so Eric we will uh, Have a, a Laker Focused conversation on Friday At 2 o'clock eastern time On your twitch and uh, Anything else here you want to mention Before we finish up and We'll to let everybody know that we will be Doing NBA we'll have our NBA Show on Sunday at 11 O'clock a.m. Uh, or excuse, Yeah 11 o'clock a.m. No 2 o'clock Excuse me, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific Time. And then Tuesday, we'll do uh, some sort of a preview. We'll figure out exactly when, and we'll let you know on social media. And we'll do the same Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday are the play-in games. Saturday, the playoffs start. So I think it'll be combinations of you, me, Kyle, who's been on the NBA shows, and Leo will be helping out. So because we'll be probably doing more every day, there will probably be some days where – well, Kyle won't be able to make it or a, a day or two If you can't get through or for some reason I can't get in there Leo can uh, can jump in and help out So we'll uh, we'll have a nice little crew For our NBA shows moving into the playoffs Buddy it should be a, a good time Dude I, I absolutely love this time of year I mean playoff basketball is great uh, You know a couple of those first Two series you know one against eights Can be a little rough but uh, Yeah matchups are looking good I'm really looking forward To this uh, this offseason uh, plug all your stuff. Tell us where we give you a follow, and then uh, what what you got coming up this weekend on the pod besides me. Um, well, you're gonna come on. Um, what I'm gonna start? I started doing all my interviews live on Twitch, so 
you know, people can interact and talk. Uh, you're going to be on the pod tomorrow talking Lakers. Uh, what went wrong, what they can do correct in the off season. Uh, also on the podcast, Leo's going to come on. We're going to tell you the best luck and for you, the UFC fight card, 273. And my boy Brandon's going to come on and we're going to talk NASCAR. Uh, so far, Brandon handed out the winner last year, last week, Hamlin 12 to one between us. We've, I think there's been what seven races and we have four winners. So we're doing pretty good. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll be with you on Sunday and talking some NBA. Thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to uh, lots of basketball talk in the, the coming weeks with you. And uh, we'll be talking again tomorrow morning. Make sure to give Eric a follow as uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have uh, check-ins throughout the playoffs coming here over the next few weeks. Also, as we see who's ready to be this year's NBA champ. Thanks, buddy. Have a good night, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Talk then. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to make the transition soon and start talking some horse racing. Listen in as Gino and friends give you all the specifics on who to bet and how to make some money. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack or wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread
Stable Duel app and play today. Keeneland is like a home court for Stable Duel. Whenever Keeneland's going, you know there are going to be huge contests, multiple games all over, and big money up for grabs. So Friday, there's the Keeneland kickoff. 75 bucks to enter, $7,500 in cash prizes. And uh, we'll be talking all about that game on the Friday morning Stable Duel show, 10 a.m. Eastern time, this weekend in Stable Duel with Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears every week, and uh, special guest Mike Rennie joining us this Friday. You can also play in a single-entry game for 10 bucks. There's a Gulfstream free ride. There's a game at Tampa for $3, and there's also a $40 game at Santa Anita. It's a top five. On Saturday, the Bluegrass Bounty, 100 bucks to enter, 12500 in cash prizes. There's a $10 Keeneland game. Santa Anita has the Derby Dash, 60 bucks to enter, 6000 in prizes. And then Sam Houston has a $200 top three game there for closing night. Hawthorne, 2 bucks to get into their game. And Tampa Bay, $100 in the double up there. Sunday, Keeneland, Gulfstream, Hawthorne, Santa Anita, and Golden Gate. A big weekend for Stable Duel. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's jump into some Friday action. Keeneland, opening day on Friday. Get your past performances out. I have uh, some thoughts on races 2, 4, 5, 7, and 8 that I wanted to, to share with you. So race number 2, we've got a maiden special weight here going a mile and a 3 sixteenths on the turf course. I'm looking at the number 7 in here, Pure Country, who hopped at the start from the rail, was 11th of 12 early, about 15 lengths off, and just was flying late. Was a little bit green and was moving through traffic. The dam was a stakes winner on the turf, going a mile and three-eighths. Length of distance should be no problem for the number seven, Pure Country. Eight to one on the morning line, anything around five to one. We'll make a win wager there on Friday Keeneland in race number two as we bounce to race number four, an optional 80 first level allowance, a mile and a 16th on the dirt. The two customer-driven at a price, I think, is one to throw into some of your early exotics. I'm a, a little bit interested in this filly. Um, I'm also curious about the, the number nine, Scratch Cat. You just look at the way this race shapes up. She should get the perfect trip. She could be uh, a horse to build around, maybe even a, an exotic single there because you've got Mo Reddy, who's going to be forwardly placed, getting Lasix. you got Mar Time, who's going to be close up. You've got If You Please, who's going to be close up. They're all going to be stretching out a little bit you've got the eight mystique saboteur who's going to be close up park on the nile is going to be close up there i think it is a good spot for scratch cat to get a a nice off the pace rally let's move to race number five i love the one in here ginsburned so looking at the last couple times this guy was on the turf let's go back to october the 23rd because that was only his his two-back turf race. He was fit that day at Keeneland in a similar spot. First-level allowance race that looks just like this on paper. He finished behind some horses uh, named Santin, who we know that's a multiple-graded stakes-placed horse, and Pine Knoll, who was second, won a first-level allowance next out. In that race on October the 23rd, 
He had a crowded start, but he settled nicely inside. He was about four, uh, fourth, maybe just about two lengths off or so. And he was traveling well, and he was right behind the leader. He kind of took back a little bit too off, and then he got stuck behind a tiring rival. He got caught bad in traffic, and he had nowhere to go. It was really sneaky, just had no shot and multiple times throughout that race. That was back in October. And then he tried the dirt after that. And he took another shot going longer in a race that really wasn't all that bad, the Gulfstream Park race on January the 5th. Then the January 30th race, he goes back to the turf, and he misses the break. He's last. He's about 10 lengths off, and he does show some late interest. The top three finishers that day were top three throughout. It was a no-passing zone, and the race has come back live. It's already produced two next-out winners. Second-place finisher, Midday Image. Won a first-level allowance next out with a 100-buyer speed figure. Fourth-place finisher came back to win a first-level allowance next out. I like the one. Ginsburg got a big price, 15-1 to 1 on the morning line. I had this horse stacked more like an 8-1 to 1 shot. Let's move to race number 7. And I'm um, taking a look at the 10 in here. Lafayette. Or in the 10. The 10 in here, Lafayette. The 10 in the Lafayette. And they'll be going seven furlongs in the Lafayette Stakes, $400,000 stakes race. The 10 is Magnolia Midnight, who was a, a recent winner and was asked to stay close in that race early on. It wasn't the biggest field in the world. Sitting in the two, three path in between horses was within a couple lengths, which just wasn't in a great spot. Was looking for room, had to back up, had to lose ground, got an opening early in the stretch, and really kicked in nicely. Two starts back was third. Three starts back was fifth. Those races were both on an off track. A muddy track and a good track. I think you can make excuses for both of those. You go back to the Iroquois, and that was trying long. And that's, I don't think, what Magnolia Midnight wants to do. And that was trying long right after the maiden race, the maiden score. You think, you know, you can go race by race with a horse like this and debuted on the turf. Second timeout comes back and wins. Third timeout goes right into stakes. Then you have excuses for the two races on an off racetrack. And then you come back with a win right now. If this horse can step forward at all off of that race, just on numbers and figures, he stacks up really well in here. Magnolia, Midnight, the number 10 is 12 to 1 on the morning line. Johnny V is aboard. If we can get anything around 6 to 1, we'll make a win wager there in race number 7 at Keeneland. Moving along to race number 8. This is the Transylvania, they'll go a mile in the 16th here on the turf course. I thought the one credibility didn't get the best of trips last time out. We played him on March the 5th at Gulfstream Park. He had a weird first step, and he settled inside towards the back. He's in behind horses, He and he had to kind of grab a hold. He moved in between. There was really no room. He had to back out of a spot, had to alter course a couple times. I think he was a bit sneaky. He'll now go third start of the form cycle. Don't be shocked if they get more aggressive with him, with Dro jumping aboard. It looks like coinage is probably the other speed in here, but from the inside, credibility could be forwardly placed and get a really nice trip. And credibility is 8-1 to one on the morning line. I thought he was more like a 5-1 to one shot in here. That's Friday at Keeneland. Let's head on over to Santa Anita and uh, talk a little Friday Santa Anita. Santa Anita Friday. Don't forget about the Saturday and Sunday Pick'em Contest. They're free to enter. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. They're prop contest, and you can win 500 bucks if you win. doesn't cost you anything to enter. They combine sports games that are happening on Saturday and Sunday and the races from Santa Anita throughout the weekend. 
So check them out every Friday, uh, every Saturday, every Sunday. As we head into Friday racing, let's take a look at race number one. I'm looking at the number four in here, Dear Bo. You know, there's this is a horse who's going to be stretching out from six furlongs from for career start number two. There's not a lot of speed in this race. I wouldn't be shocked if they just try to get aggressive with her. You know, she was off, you know, a little slowly, and she was on the rail, and that was that. The winner that day just cleared off and that and won. Fluent. Runner up that day, Glenall came back to win a maiden special eight. So you had a winner that won wire to wire. The runner up came back second. The race has come back live. Dear Bo is a half to a horse named Bo Recall, who earned $1.4 million with a multiple graded stakes winner going long on the turf. She should be better going longer here. I think you're going to get a nice little run for your money with Dear Bo and uh, a rider who can get very aggressive. And I hope that's the case here. With Dear Bo, the number four, who's eight to one on the morning line, I'll be using in all exotics and we'll play if this horse is anything around five to one to win. Let's get to race number four. And I did think that the number one horse in here is one that you want to be able to use in your exotics. Another race going long on the turf. And we look at Exit Soul, who's just had brutal trips. For me, a trip player, watching both of these races, she never had an opportunity in either. And she'll get a little more distance to work with. She'll try to save all the ground. And she just, she's due for a better trip. She's due for a little bit of luck. Maybe you want to hook her up with horses like the four, five, and seven in what's kind of a fun betting race. I thought the one exit soul who's five to one, if she's anything around seven to two, will make a win wager there. In race number seven, we have our third and final play on the Friday card here. I'm looking at the number six, and that's Clamp It. Clamp It is six to one on the morning line. And I think Clamp It might be a little bit better here going long. The Sire one long, the Dam one going long, and the lone race that we've seen from Clamp It going a little bit longer was good. Six to one on the morning line. I think they'll be forwardly placed in here. You kind of look around and there isn't that much speed. Right next door, you've got Mongolian Ford, and maybe Clamp It can sit second. Or uh, or maybe even get in front of that one. I'll be using the number six, Clampet, six to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two makes sense there. That is Santa Anita Friday. A couple best bets for you. And don't forget, we'll have Friday Sam Houston coverage of the full card. If you head to social media, give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Just two days remain in the Sam Houston meet, so we'll uh, we'll make some money there this weekend. Let's get on over to Saturday. We'll dive into some Saturday Aqueduct in just a moment. First, we have to let you know about full-service realtor Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Her website is cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full-service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways, buying, selling, leasing. She can connect you with the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, a lot of folks that she has experience with working and using in her own homes. Maybe you need help with the the loan. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders who can get you pre-approved for those loans and make your life a lot easier there. She's one that covers all parts of uh, North San Diego County and the San Gabriel Valley, but if you're somewhere and you just don't have a whole lot of local help, 
Get in contact with her. She'll put you in touch with someone that she knows and someone that you can trust. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. She will make your life easier. She's going to make that checklist so simple for you. She'll take care of all the sweats, all the uh, all the worries that you have. CindyCarava.com. You can find all the reviews of her on Yelp and Zillow on the website. All of the listings and uh, former projects that she's uh, she's wor- and projects and people that she's worked with. CindyCarava.com. Up next, we head on over to Aqueduct for Saturday. David Aragona makes the morning line over there. He does a great job handicapping and uh, we're doing some work for Timeform US and also for the Daily Racing Form. So David helps us out previewing races 8, 9, 10, and 11, the final four races, all graded stakes on a really nice Saturday card over at Aqueduct Wood Memorial Day. It's one of the bigger racing days of the year in New York, and what's become a little bit of a tradition on that's what G said. Anytime there's something big happening in New York, we have to get in uh, the man who makes the morning line over there, David Aragona. You know him from uh, Timeform US, also see his work over at DRF, does a fantastic job handicapping and uh, does a really good job with the morning lines. And what I love, gets them out nice and early, makes it easy for us handicappers. How you doing today, buddy? Doing pretty good. A lot to look forward to this Saturday. It feels like that slow winter time in New York has finally come to an end and pretty exciting card on tap for Saturday. Yeah, there are a couple of really nice horses that uh, we that can actually start out with right away because the, the late pick four is kicked off with the Wood Memorial. And so you'll be uh, having a, a really nice late pick four pool with uh, four nice stakes races. Uh, we're going to jump into each one of them. But obviously the Wood Memorial is the, the, the race that serves a little more importance on this card because there will probably be a couple horses out of this race that we'll end up seeing in the Kentucky Derby. And... Early on, you know, you never know what's going to happen with these three-year-olds. A lot can change from one race to the next. But on paper, at least, there are three that look like legitimate horses. If they were to win this race, they could move on and and probably have a good chance to, to make some noise in Kentucky. Yeah, as you said, there are those three horses that really do have the credentials to catapult into the Kentucky Derby, uh, those being Mo Donegal, early voting, and Morello. Uh, but I wouldn't say that the race is all about them. Uh, no, I mean, they not definitely, at all. Yeah, they definitely have the credentials coming in here. But from a speed figure standpoint, it's actually a pretty well-matched group of them. But it does feel like those three horses have the upside coming in. And uh, a couple of them in particular, those two undefeated Colts early voting in Morello, it seems like they do still have that right to take another step forward. Yeah, we have the Remsen, the Withers, and the Gotham winners all in this race. And uh, we can kind of start from the inside with Mo Donegal. So Mo Donegal tried to get their year started and they wanted to have to go down through Florida and they prepped in the Holy Bowl and it was it was a nice comeback race for your first start unfortunately they missed the next prep which would have been the Fountain of Youth for them with a fever so they are in kind of a pressure spot where they don't need to win this race but they need a pretty good effort here what probably a top 3 finish to at least get the uh, the uh, allotted points and able to get them into the starting gate yeah, definitely. I mean, it feels like you need a top three finish to go on to the Derby, regardless of how exactly uh, right. Yeah, you have. it just that's just like basic. If, you, logic. if you're running fourth or fifth, that's not a race you'd be wanting to go in there off of anyways, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Pr- pretty much. I mean, but you do want to see these horses, especially those that don't have the points yet, go into the race off a good effort. And it feels like this race does suit Mo Donegal pretty well. I think it was no surprise when they announced right after he spiked that fever prior to the Fountain of Youth, this was going to be the target for them. I think they even talked about it going back to after the Remsen, that uh, this is the race they were aiming for. And he ran well over the aqueduct track last year. It does feel like the mile and an eighth distance, especially over a track like aqueduct, where it can really draw out a horse's stamina a little bit more it can be a tiring surface it does feel like that really plays into the strengths of a horse like mo donegal who you would think would be the type that's not going to mind even going farther than this when mm-hmm. he does proceed on to the 10 furlongs of the kentucky derby you know i thought his holy bowl was okay he did lose as the favorite but it just kind of felt like that mile and a 16th of the short stretch was never going to be the right configuration for him so i do believe he's getting into a better spot here i've watched some of his recent workouts it seems like he's doing well coming into this race so a lot of positive things to say about him. It's just going to be uh, dependent on how much pace develops ahead of them to see what kind of trip. Yeah, even works. another little small thing too. Like all, all, all the horses that he's faced and run against have come back and run well too. You know, from Zandin recently, White Barrio and Simplification have come back and sort of uh, franked his form a little bit too. So yeah, if he's ready to rock, it feels like a pretty good spot because on you know on paper it looks like there should be at least an honest pace, right? We have early voting who. You know, is going to want to be forwardly placed right next door. You'd imagine there's a horse that's going to be, you know, maybe sitting close. They're taking the blinkers off of long term. Morello can sit a little bit, but it's not exactly like they want to be too far out of it. You've got Golden Code with uh, an aggressive rider aboard who they'll probably be close up towards the outside. AP Secrets, another one. So there are combinations of this race where they could be going really quick. I mean, it should be honest enough at least. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Todd Pletcher was giving some uh, pre-race quotes about how he might uh, sort his horses out from a tactical standpoint. I think they said with long-term taking the blinkers off, they might be looking to get him a little bit more off the pace than he's been in some recent races. Maybe that means Golden Code is going to be the one that's more aggressively ridden. He certainly would seem to have the speed to do so. He showed speed in sprint races. So yeah, that'll be interesting, but it does feel like if they want to use his speed, early voting is clearly the fastest of them early. Yeah, and he's done nothing wrong. We, you know, something's got to give in here because we know that uh, early voting, who is two for two, and Morello, who is three for three, one of them uh, will likely see defeat for the first time today or on Saturday when we uh, when we see this race go off. So I guess between the two of them, we talked about Mo Donegal as the uh, as the other of the top ones. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts of them, and then you know how are you going to play this race, like from a pick four standpoint? I think Morello has to be considered the horse to beat. I mean, he's just been perfect in his three races he's done nothing wrong he's won so easily it seems like uh he's won more easily as with each race despite it Mm -hmm. uh uh, getting tougher and tougher i mean the gotham last time he just looked like a winner every step of the way the big question is the nine furlongs um they stretched him out very gradually i like the way they've managed this horse but he still has to prove that he can do it stretching around around the two turns Uh, the pedigree can kind of go either way with this horse physically watching him i do get the sense that he's more of a true miler type but that's not to say that he can't handle a mile and an eighth if the pace works out in his favor and he's able to use that turn of foot that we saw last time in the Gotham. I think he is a really likable horse, uh, and I'm not necessarily against him in this race. It just feels like off those three blowout wins, he's going to take a lot of money once again. He's a pretty popular horse. So um, I was going to try to take a shot against him, though I view him as a win candidate. Um, I, I prefer early voting of those lightly raced undefeated horses coming in here. 
Though I do acknowledge he's the one that does have the most to prove in this race. He's the least experienced. He's never faced a field of this quality. Though he has down to the mile and an eighth distance. And I did think mm-hmm. that he showed a lot of stamina in that Withers last time because he came out of the gate like he was running six furlongs. I mean, he just rocketed out of the starting gate and really opened up a sizable advantage heading into that clubhouse turn. And Jose Ortiz was able to get him back and relax a little bit on the front end. But I mean, for the speed of that track, I mean, they went a mile and an eighth and nearly 156. 48 to the half is an extremely fast opening half mile, relatively speaking. And if you look at the time form U.S. pace figures, it really highlights that. He has some really just gigantic pace figures for the first couple of calls of that race. So I think he did well to hold on and win that race as decisively as uh, he did. I know that some uh, speed figure makers have raised the number since then, Bayer Bayer being uh, the one that I I know got the most headlines. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think that this horse has to take another step forward to win this race. But to me, he's got the stamina to do it. And uh, I I believe he's going to be in front here. We'll see how much pressure he takes. But I gave him the slight edge over Mo Donegal. But I do view those top three as the three most likely winners. If it isn't one of those three, who would it it be? I really like Bereze as a horse, the New York bred on the outside. I just... I question whether this is the right race for him. I would have loved to see him in the Bay Shore, maybe as the horse to beat in that race, because yeah. I feel like the seven furlongs round one turn is probably a great distance for him. I like the way this horse levels off and finishes his races. I think he's got a really um, nice closing kick to him. I just wonder if it's going to be a little bit dulled going the mile and an eighth. Uh, I feel like maybe shorter is better for him. And I mean, you could make a case for some others. I mean, Golden Code has finished off his races like he might handle more distance. Pletcher's maiden long term, you could say similar things about. Uh, he's run some decent speed figures, but it does feel like those would have to take a step forward to to usurp those three favorites. The ninth race is the grade one Carter. So the eighth race does kick off that late pick four with a, a nice four stakes races to uh, to end the card. And the Carter is race number nine, seven furlongs, grade one event. You got to go to the outside to begin the conversation with Speaker's Corner, who's just been, I mean, so good really throughout. He's done very little wrong throughout his entire career. And he it seems like he gets better and better each time that we see him. And he's defeated Fearless in the last few. And Fearless actually came back recently to win the grade three go zapper next time out. And he's drawn pretty well with the, you know, drawn to the outside with the speed. He can sit a little bit, but he's just been really good right up on the pace and pushing it as of late. And just really, really impressive. And and one of the better older horses in the first couple of his starts to, uh, to start this year. Yeah, Speaker's Corner has been really good. Uh, And I think this is going to be a really interesting test for him because I do believe this Carter came up a tougher race than both of the stakes that he uh, conquered down at Gulfstream. I mean, those both those races, the Hooper and the Gulfstream Park Mile, they just kind of shaped up as uh, a matchup between him and Fearless. Mm -hmm. And this is a much deeper field than that. I mean, Fearless is not a bad horse, as you were saying, but I feel like he's always going to beat Fearless in those matchups because he's got the tactical advantage, too. Right. Unless there's a lot of other pace there most of the time he's going to get the jump on him and, and he's going to win those those matchups totally and i feel like there are two or three alternatives in this race that might be a cut above fearless so yep. I, I think it makes it a slightly tougher spot he's got to handle the slight turn back to seven furlongs though he certainly has the right post position to do it being drawn on the outside 
I wonder how they're going to ride some of the horses towards the inside, like Green Light Go, Bank on Shea, War Toxin. They all have speed. So maybe he's going to have to stalk a little bit. I'm not really viewing that as a negative for Speaker's Corner because he's done it before. I just think it's a matter of whether or not he brings that Florida form to New York because he's been in such great form. But I feel like he's starting to gain some of that hype that he had as a two-year-old now that he's winning races. And he's probably going to take a lot of money in this yep. race. And I do feel like there are a couple of others in particular um, that are up set candidates and if yeah. they go off at the right prices i'd be interested in i agree i mean you can if you look at the entire field obviously i don't think they'd be showing up in the in the carter here if they weren't but everybody's in good form some of them might be just a cut below but a few of these horses if you're even if you're just playing off of like speed figures and numbers they're right in the conversation with speaker's corner if they showed up with one of their better efforts you know you start down on the inside with a horse like reinvestment risk who had a, a return to the races in February, he had not raced since June of twenty of twenty twenty one, and he and prior to that, he had a layoff um, that that was leading back to November of twenty twenty, and that was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. This was a horse who was behind Jackie's Warrior in a couple Grade One races as a two year old, and then basically missed his entire three year old season. Showed back up in his first start at four and was really impressive. You know, we never know how good a horse like this could be. He's grown up a lot, he's matured a lot, and he's had a lot of time to recover from that big figure and and the big win that he earned. Yeah, I think reinvestment risk is a really dangerous horse in this race. Uh, that last effort seems legitimate. The horse that he beat, Milliken, is a really nice horse. And maybe the margin would have been a little bit slimmer between them if Milliken had gotten out of the gate that day. I think he had some trouble early in that race. But nevertheless, I mean, reinvestment risk was a really impressive winner. He was just sprinting through the lane. They did not go that fast early, but he really came home quickly at the end of that race. So if the pace heats up, I don't think he's going to be a horse that's bothered by having to come from a little bit farther off the pace than he did in that last race. I think that he actually would be well suited to running as a closing sprinter in here, especially breaking from that rail post position. So um, we'll see how much money he takes, but I think that he's a horse that's very dangerous in this race. And the other one that I like quite a bit is the number four mind control. I mean, he He's been a likable horse uh, at this level for a long time now. It did kind of feel, though, like his career was maybe spiraling at the end of last year, or I should say at the end of 2020, heading into that 2021 season. He just was not putting together good efforts for Greg Sacco. And once they switched him into Todd Pletcher's barn in the second half of 2021, it feels like he really turned around his form. Yep. I thought he was gritty to beat Ferenze Fire on his home turf in that neighborhood. Um, I know he lost the forego of that eventful race, but I thought he came back with a really nice effort at Parks to close out his season last time. Maybe Silver State pulled himself up a little bit at the at the end of that race, but I mean we've seen Mind Control come back on horses before. That's just what he does, and he's always been a horse that really steps up his game at Aqueduct. He just loves this track in the winter and early springtime so i expect him to come back with a good effort and i've also watched some of his recent workouts for pletcher down at palm beach downs and i can't imagine a horse training better than he is coming into this race so i view him as the, the biggest upset candidate to uh to take down speaker's corner he checks so many boxes in here right you know, capable at aqueda capable at this trip capable fresh he's proven big races uh, off the bench he was second in this race last year even when he wasn't really at his best like you said it was just kind of like his class alone that just sort of got him there in that smaller field and he's been better since it's always going to be a positive when Joel jumps aboard the, He's got that versatility where he he's not going to get outrun But if they go too quick, he can absolutely sit back and move He just is a really nice racehorse And uh, if he if he's the right price, he he's probably the horse to, to bet in here Especially if Speaker's Corner gets over bet 
And maybe just one, you mentioned Greenlight Go before Who's a grade 2 winner and uh, first captain Who's just maybe a little bit light On on speed figures, but he's done Very little wrong in his career You even have uh, drafted coming in off of a, a graded stakes win last time out So it won't be easy for Speaker's Corner no, I think it's a really competitive race and a great test for that horse. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably being a little bit dismissive of Green Light Go in this race. I'm concerned about the trip he's going to pull from the rail mm-hmm. with other speed in here. And I, I wish First Captain kind of had an extra furlong or maybe one more race under his belt because it feels like he's still maybe one race away from yep. kind of peaking this year for Shug McGahee. But this should be a good stepping stone for him as well. So, yeah, like you said, it's a really fascinating race. That's race number nine on Saturday, the grade one Carter. Let's move along to race number 10 here with David Aragona. David does uh, such a great job handicapping the races for Timeform US, for DRF, and making the morning lines over there in New York as we head to the grade three Gazelle. Uh, also worth mentioning that earlier on the card, we're going to see search results, a, a very, very classy uh, Philly show back up. So just uh, from top to bottom, lots of quality. And uh, in this Gazelle, going a, a mile and an eighth, We'll you know, have to look towards Venti Valentine Who was so, so impressive Winning the Busher last time out And, and this one's going to be tough A couple others that uh, have some intrigue And maybe curious what you think the pace scenario Looks like in here But probably the conversation should start with that one Yeah, I mean, Venti Valentine Just figures to be super tough in this race And I mean, maybe if she puts in another big effort, people are going to wake up. But I mean, it feels like she's not even really in the conversation As a top folks candidate Totally despite- under the radar yeah, despite earning that competitive speed figure last time, I mean, she's run just as fast as Secret Oath and a lot faster than horses that are kind of considered a notch above her on the, uh, you know, the Oaks Trail. So uh, we'll see. She's got to do it again you know, in the mile and an eighth. She had handled the distance last year, albeit going a little bit slower in the Demoiselle. But I mean, what has this Philly done wrong in her career? I thought she was arguably best in the Demoiselle because um, she was maybe on her way to win that race with Magic Circle kind of veered out into her path at the eighth pole and that allowed Ness to get the jump on her a little bit. But Fenty Valentine never stopped battling that day and just barely lost going the mile and an eighth. And it felt like she really took a big step forward off the bench in the busher last time. I loved the way that she finished off that race. And you were mentioning the pace situation. It feels like, it's going to kind of fall right in her lap because there's not much speed in this race. I guess that the Todd Pletcher long shot gratitude is going to show speed from the inside, but Venti Valentine's got that tactical speed, that versatile running style where she can be perched right outside of that long shot. And kind of like last time, she should be in the driver's seat, able to take over whenever they want. And I think she's going to get the jump on a lot of these horses. And assuming that she gets the distance this year, like she did last year, I view her as a a very likely winner of this race. Yeah, she's going to be tough. And like you're saying, the the horse that I was really interested in going into the Rachel Alexandra was Divine Huntress. Off of those wins where you're like, wow, this filly is green as grass, but wow, she's got some ability. In, in a couple of those races, they just sort of like tipped her to the outside, and she just went right by. So I was curious with her, and she had her, her trip wasn't it wasn't like tough. It was just sort of sort of strange. She was kind of really wide, and she moved deep on the outside. She moved all the way up to within two, and then and she kind of backed up. And I think there's something there with her This is probably a tough spot If there was more pace, I might give her a shot If if we're looking outside of Venti Valentine Or maybe underneath horses Anyone in here at a price or or others Like you said, maybe Gratitude as a horse Who can get aggressive and hang around for a share 
Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the horse. I've got the second choice in the morning line, classy edition. I, I see that a lot of people like her in this race, and I, I'm not quite on that page. I mean, maybe she'll prove me wrong here, but I felt like she was impressive, but beating some pretty weak New York bred fields last year, unlike Venti Valentine, who is a New York bred, who kind of proved her class against tougher Um Classic Edition did face some good horses at Gulfstream last time when she finally faced Open Company. But I mean, Kathleen O, it felt like she was just the best that day, and Classic Edition was decidedly second best to her. And we'll see how good that field turns out to be in the Devona Dale. But I- I'm not quite as confident that she's going to get the distance as I am with Venti Valentine. So I kind of wanted to beat her as the other horse in this mm-hmm. race. And um, like you, I'm looking for horses that I think can get the distance. I get the argument for Divine Huntress. I I couldn't find a big excuse for her last race. No, so me, ne- kinda... me neither. Yeah. I, yeah, I wanted to. I kept like I like watched it three or four times, like trying to to find. Yeah, maybe it was there, and there's it wasn't there as much as as it maybe looked. Even when you see some of the running lines or what the comments. So yeah, I, I I'm not sure. Maybe it is the the pace that we can get with graded two down inside, just getting aggressive and hanging around for a share. I think the biggest threat to Vendy Valentine is the number three nostalgic, yeah. who uh, does not project to get a great pace setup without a lot of speed in this race. But I do think that she really stepped forward last time. Again, was not beating a strong field. Kind of like that allowance race that uh, Divine Huntress won at Parks. Uh, she was just beating up on nothing last time. But she finished up that race like one that really is going to relish the mile at an eighth. I thought they mm-hmm. maybe just tried the Demoiselle a little bit too soon last year. And she didn't run that badly in that race. Just seemed like she hadn't quite done finished developing at that time. So I do think this is the right kind of race for Nostalgic. She just has to take that step forward. And I think she's a candidate to do so. So I like her. I would even use the horse Shotgun Hottie that was second behind Venti Valentine in the Busher last time. She's one that I think is going to like at a distance as well. And she feels like she's definitely going to be a big price in this race. So I would use her underneath too. But I view this really as Venti Valentine's race to lose. Yeah, she gets off the inside a little bit, you know, or maybe she maybe kind of just kind of tip towards the outside and try to pass some tired horses late and pick some things up. As uh, Venti Valentine looks to get the trip, let's see if she'll be on her way to the Kentucky Oaks as we are on our way to race number 11, the final race on the Saturday card on the Wood Memorial card over at Aqueduct. We get to the grade three Bayshore, $200,000 up for grabs for a three-year-old, seven furlongs, the distance in here. So Dean's list for Pletcher was your runner-up in the Gotham last time out. Life is great as a... Thrown in some big efforts. Life is great. Was behind them in the uh, the Gotham was a big price, and then we're going to get Wit making his three year old debut. Uh, Wit had uh, a couple good efforts last year as a two year old. He's a graded stakes winner and uh, multiple grade one placed. So, what were your uh, overall thoughts on this Bayshore field? Yeah, I'll be especially interested to see what we get from Wit. I know this was a horse that a lot of people liked during his two year old season. I can't say that I ever fell in love with this horse as much as maybe some others did after that Sanford victory. That's a race that probably has not come back as the strongest affair overall. No. Uh, and Witt did disappoint in those two uh, subsequent grade one tries, though he didn't have the best trip in the champagne, kind of got steady along when he was making his move on the rail. I think he's coming back in the right spot. Uh, seven furlong seems like an appropriate distance for him. There's supposed to be plenty of pace in this race, uh, some so-called cheap speed uh, towards the outside with horses like Outkissed and Scaramouche and even to the inside, Dr. Jeff could be forwardly ridden. So it feels like there is some pace that could come back to wit. I just think he was a little bit overrated last year. Maybe that translates into him taking some money once again. Um, so I think he's a contender. I just didn't want to put him on top. 
I have mixed feelings about Pletcher's other horse that you mentioned, Dean's List. I thought all in all, he got a great trip in the Gotham. That was a race that projected to feature a really fast pace, and it just didn't quite materialize. Some horses that could have been forwardly ridden weren't, and I thought he got to set some moderate fractions and just was no match for Morello in the stretch and barely held off some horses for second that I think he was supposed to be better than. So the turn back to seven furlongs definitely helped Dean's list, but he's going to have to contend with a lot of other speed in this race. He hasn't shown that he can pass horses. So I was a little bit skeptical of him among the short prices from the Gotham, the horse that I'm most interested in his life is great. Um, I thought he ran really well. He was one of those horses that was a little bit farther back in the early going than maybe you projected to see him but I thought he made a nice move around the far turn to get into contention. He flattened out a little bit in the final eighth of a mile, but that was going the mile. I think turning back to the seven furlongs is perfect for him. I like his outside post position because Eric Cancel is going to have some options. He's not going to have to be so aggressive with this horse, and he's not going to have to deal with so much kickback. If he, it was basically the formula the for his maiden win, right? And which, which uh, I think your partner Craig dished out at, uh, on that, the show, right? Around <laughs> he'll he'll and the thing about Craig is he'll tell you about it forever, right? He'll always let that, you know that is it. correct. I'm sure <laughs> we're not doing Aqueduct on our uh, podcast this week, but uh, I'm sure he would have brought it up if we were. Goodness. Yeah, it saves you, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I was thinking the same thing, and I was handicapping this horse uh, that he got that outside trip that day. And uh, I feel like for these connections, he's probably going to fly under the radar a little yep. bit. I think there are four major players in this race, and he figures to be by far the biggest price of them. So I put him on top. And the other horse that really scares me is that Todd, Ple- that um, sorry, Chad Brown, second time starter, mm-hmm. uh, highly respected. He, he ran well to win his debut last month, and I'm not going to be surprised. But he takes a step forward as well Yeah he, he was good you know and he had to run down A horse that was sort of loose on the lead And and the fourth place finisher came back to win And, and earned a nice buyer speed figure in doing it so the race has come back live And I don't think they would put him in this spot Unless they thought that he would uh, be competitive At the very least so yeah it's a, it's a nice little way to end the card With four graded stakes races back to back To back to back to close things out in a Graded stakes late pick four and David This is one of those awesome racing Weekends that we love because we will really get a good idea of how things are going to to be sort of where everybody's going to stack up on their tiers heading into the Kentucky Derby because there are three major preps this weekend. You know, you look out west, it's going to be sort of Forbidden Kingdom versus Messier, and now knowing that Messier with the win will be able to get those points and move forward. We go to Keeneland with the Bluegrass. There are three or four like legitimate Contenders in there with what smile happy Zandin Emmanuel you know right off the top Any any of them would be no shock And then a few others so this is one of those Cool weekends where it feels like we're gonna know A lot uh, come Saturday night yeah, there's a lot going on this Saturday. Keeneland's card, especially on Saturday, is excellent. And as you said, that bluegrass just seems like a pretty wide open race. I mean, I would say Zandon and Smile Happy kind of are expected to cement themselves as contenders for the Derby coming out of there. But it's a 12 horse field. You can make a case for a lot of runners, some tertiary players that could step up. So um, I think there's a lot to like in that race. And yeah, that Santa Anita Derby, it's not the deepest affair, but I think it's going to be a really fun tactical race to appreciate because uh, a lot of speed in there and Forbidden Kingdom. He's been that horse that just needs to go to the front and we'll see if one of those uh, Tim Yachtin trainer changes applies pressure. It feels like they're the ones with the most speed to to kind of mess up the trip that he's likely or that Forbidden Kingdom is expected to get. So uh, can we look forward to you and uh, Craig this weekend discussing what Keeneland and uh, maybe a couple from Santa Anita? Was that on the menu? 
Yeah, Craig and I will be recording our time form U.S. forecast uh, on Friday morning. It'll be out later that afternoon, and we're going to do that all stakes pick five sequence at Keeneland, which includes the bluegrass. So we'll be focusing uh, on Perfect. Keeneland for that. Awesome, David. Thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. And uh, normally coming up on uh, Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks weekend, I try to get on a, a different guest to handicap a, a, one of the graded stakes races with me on the undercard and then share uh, some derby thoughts. So if uh, if you're available then, I'd love to touch base with you and we can record something early that week and pick your brain on the, uh, on the Oaks and the Derby. Yep, sure. Hit me up. I'm always happy to come on. Thank you so much, buddy. You do a great job and we'll look forward to following along and uh, give your partner, Craig, a hard time for me uh, anytime you guys can. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Gino. Thanks so much, David. Make sure to give him a, a follow on all social media and we'll be uh, following along with the great work that him and Craig do. Don't go anywhere, folks. A lot more on this loaded episode. Always nice catching up with David. He does such a great job there and uh, the uh, couple different uh, capacities that he has making the morning lines and the handicap in there with Craig at, on uh, the podcast and Time Forum US and all the stuff for DRF. And we will shift on over, talk a little Keeneland Saturday on a big weekend there. we got the bluegrass coming up, so Kentucky Derby points are on the line. From just a pure gambling standpoint, I personally found more on Friday than I was able to find on Saturday that I really, really loved throughout the card. Now, that doesn't mean that you may not be able to find a little bit more, but I, to me, a lot of the races I thought were not going to be chalky. They won't be just chalk at Keelan with some of these big fields, but I, I couldn't get the the types of horses that I'd normally like to share with you. But let's take a, do, a look into the fifth race at the uh, the Commonwealth, where Nashville is going to be really, really tough in there, and mainly because there's not a lot of other pace to push him. If I were trying to beat him, I would look towards the outside with Prevalence and Obesos in some of the other exotics. Race number six is the mile, and it's the grade two Appalachian. And another instance where... I couldn't really find anything too creative, too outside the box. Spenderella is probably going to be really tough to run down in here. But the seventh race is the Madison, and I think here is one of the, the few spots where maybe we can find some value. Kimari, tons of respect. The one to beat. Really nice grade one winner. She won this race last year. The, the four horse just one time is kind of sneaky to me. Grade two winner, last time out, and... You just watch her races, and she's got a lot of ability. She had a bad start, and she had to come from off the pace and and go all the way around. Normally, she would have been a little more forwardly placed, and I think she can be close up if need be. Flavian Pratt jumps aboard for Brad Cox. I'm going to use the four just one time, who is eight to one on the morning line in all exotics. I'll make a win wager if she's over five to one. I'll use along with the six Kamari, the seven four Graces at a bigger price. I didn't love her most recent race, but two back, she was right there with just one time, and she's kind of in between horses. The five bells, the one is super classy, and then towards the outside, the uh, the ten, if you were going even a little deeper, tis splendid news with that type of speed, she'd be tough to leave out of some sort of exotics. That's race number seven, the grade one, Madison. Race number eight is the grade two, Shaker Town. They'll go five and a half furlongs, sprinting on the turf course here. The... 10, obviously Golden Pal is going to take a ton of money. Golden Pal is 5 for 8. Golden Pal has won the last two. Your Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner and your two-time Breeders' Cup champ. But I'm always looking to try to beat Golden Pal. It always gets me. Um, but I will use Golden Pal in exotics with the 4 and the 5. Diamond Oops, who, if you just start to start keying in on his sprint races, seems like his best efforts 
in the last year, year and a half have been in the sprint races and some of his shorter races. So I think we can expect a good effort from him. Third start off the bench, comes running late. The five-gear jockey, I figure he's going to be a lot better in here too. We can excuse his last two races. The Breeders' Cup turf sprint didn't really shape up all that well for him. And then last time out, he was sort of against the race shape too. I think five is a little short for him. He's okay at five and a half, six, and a little farther. But five is is a tad short for him. So gear jockey, I would lean uh, in here at 10 to 1. I'll use Diamond Oops and gear jockey along with Golden Pal in all exotics. If you wanted to go deeper, some underneath horses would be the the 6. The Learjet probably needs a race for their best efforts. The 9, Philo de Ariana. And the 2, at a huge price, Natural Power, who could maybe be a nice under, uh, under horse to uh, really spice things up. So the ninth race is the Grade 1 Bluegrass Kentucky Derby points on the line. And we have some of the better three-year-olds of this group with Zandin, with Smile Happy. Both of them very, very legit. And they should step forward making their second start of the year. You've got the six Emmanuel, and that's going to be my play. He had a crowded start last out. He got crossed over on. He was stuck wide. He was like in the sixth path. Then he was four deep and in between horses at the top of the lane. He was all the way up to contend. He was kind of shifting around late, but he was still trying, and he lost second late in the stretch after moving all the way up to contend. Emmanuel should be a lot more forwardly placed in here off of that. We saw good speed from him in his first two. I think he's going to be a nice horse to play if he's around four to one. He's going to have to be on his A game to beat Smile Happy and Zandin. And then uh, if you're looking for pricier horses to use, I'm not completely done with the one command performance, and I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get a little bit aggressive with him. My Ryder Tees Jr. jumps aboard. He was obviously very disappointing as a, a heavy, heavy favorite in that maiden race, but he had some good races last year. This horse has ability, but has he regressed from two to three like most in that class and most in the uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile? I wouldn't completely toss him at a huge price. And the eight Ethereal Road, Runner up in the Rebel, sort of right in the mix there with Barber Road. He's pretty honest and he feels like he's taken uh, steps forward, but he would have to improve to compete with some of the best in this group because this is a pretty tough group towards the top with Zandin, with Smile Happy, and with the uh, Emmanuel as sort of the, the horses to beat in here. That's a look at Saturday, some of my best plays for Keeneland. Remember on Friday night, we'll uh, dive into these races and uh, probably a couple others with Matt DeSantis. We'll use the DRF Pass performances Friday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Come and join us for a live stream on my uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter account. It's me, Gino B. We'll be talking some Saturday Keeneland, Saturday Aqueduct, Saturday Santa Anita, Saturday Sam Houston all on that show. Speaking of Saturday Santa Anita, Let's get on over there. Chappie's going to join me to talk a, a couple of the Santa Anita races. Um, before he jumps on, I just wanted to mention in the first race in the Monrovia, I did like the six Royal Address to the outside. He got the third start of the form cycle now. So it's just missed back on January the 22nd and was a, a nice winner last time out down the hill. Two, uh, three back ran into a horse named Miss J. McKay who won a stakes at Gulfstream next out. Too sexy. Won $150,000 stakes next out at Belmont. Going global is a multiple graded stakes winner and a grade one winner. So I think it's a good spot for Royal Address in race number one, the number six, who is six to one on the morning line. And Chappie 
is going to join me, and we're going to talk about races 4, 6, 7, and 10. Oh, you know, there's one more that I, I want to mention right now because we didn't get a chance to talk about it with Chappie. The fifth race, uh, Eleuthera, I like. I like a little bit. I've I've been on this filly for a while, and I think it's a good spot for her because there's not that much speed in the race, too. So she should be able to get a good trip from the inside, maybe one to use some of your early pick fives and exotics, Cairo Memories and Lucky Girl, obviously very logical ones in there. So that's race number five. Chappie joins me now. We're going to take a look at races four, six, seven, and ten for Santa Anita Saturday. It's Santa Anita Derby Day on Saturday, a big race, Kentucky Derby points on the line, lots of graded stakes on the undercard, so we had to bring in uh, our good friend from the Morning Line Sports Show over on AM 830, he's also at Santa Anita, what the, uh, like a, a VIP for the players, is that your, is that your role over there, Chappie, uh, Jeff yeah. Chappie joins us? Yeah, you know, the players and uh, just some of the VIPs coming Marketing in. and VIP, uh, yeah. Yeah, for instance, uh, Sunday, we've got uh, the GM of the Rams coming out. Oh, cool. With, I believe some of the players, some of the cheerleaders, and they're bringing the Lombardi trophy with them. Awesome. So that will be, uh, I, I believe, they're going to put it somewhere for the fans to take some pictures with at some point during the day as well. So, yeah, that's that's some of the perks um, I get to do besides just the VIP players. So uh, looking forward to it. And you host the Morning Line Sports Show uh, every Saturday morning, and that show goes from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time, and it's a nice little preview of everything happening uh, each you know, Saturday and over the weekend in horse racing or big sporting events. A bunch of different guests come through. You and the uh, the co-host, uh, Hal and uh, Skippy, give out a couple different plays at a couple different tracks all over. It's a lot of fun. I join you guys uh, each and every Saturday morning, unless there's a bachelor party, then then uh, I'm in then I'm in some trouble. But other other yeah, than you're, that, you're, I'm pretty safe. You're pretty consistent <laughs> most weeks. <laughs> you know, I, I try I tried to give you like three outs because I figured and I and I was not. like drunk when I was texting you back. It's like, no, I'll be there, man. I'll be good. I'm so good. And then, nope, just, just nope. <laughs> you, tip, you, you tip your hand, Gino, when I saw your, uh, Instagram or, or, or Twitter post at like 9 a.m. at the airport and you were ha- you were having a mimosa I already so I, I figured you were in trouble for the next morning but um and you were on a three-week win streak I know horses every week to boot so I I know I can't believe of all the weeks to miss that was the one but uh yeah you know and what was funny what really hurt me in that spot was I am normally, we always joke, I got so many things going on and I usually have a lot of stuff on Friday and Saturday. So I wanted to make sure I didn't have like really anything to do when I was over there. So I sort of jammed everything into Thursday and it it ended up giving me like one hour of sleep. And so I got everything done. I was excited and I showed up, but it just that I needed to, I needed to rest a little bit more, man. Not, not the spring chicken anymore, you know, (laughs) just, just hit 35 and those grays start to pop up more and more. And, uh, and it's harder and harder to get up after a few more drinks but uh you know a lot of people will be having drinks this weekend for the uh what what a cool time just overall huh in sports yeah yeah oh it's unbelievable i mean just the 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 masters uh the tiger woods story obviously all the the derby preps baseball starting today on the same day as the masters because it got pushed back a week we got got the opening uh the last three Go ahead. I yeah. Give one shout out to my Cubs because 
Um, Stop the race. Stop the season minute, right now. For one minute of baseball to be 1-0, and I, I'm not an idiot. They're going to be terrible this year. So I'm basking in the glory. This is my five minutes of fame because in three weeks it. we'll be under 500. Right? You exactly. take it. It was always exactly. fun to get a win on opening right. day. Final stages of the NBA season, the play-in and the playoffs will start next week. Hockey going into the playoffs right now. You mentioned three Kentucky Derby preps this weekend. It's like right now, and then in October, there's always a bunch of stuff going on too in in similar ways when like football and college football are going. And we got baseball finishing up. You've got basketball and college basketball like just starting. So if you're football, if you like football, you're probably like that time a little bit more. But wow. As far as the uh, the racing we've got this weekend, big days at Santa Anita, big day at Aqueduct, big day at Keeneland, opening weekend at Keeneland there. We're going to talk a little bit about Santa Anita, and like is the case on, on most big days, you're going to have a combination of things. And what we get in, in some of the graded stakes races, we don't get as big of fields, but we have some really nice horses. It looks like the late pick five from a gambling standpoint is really juicy Big fields, and that's maybe where you can get some prices on the card for Saturday. Yeah, I, I kind of like the way they did it. I mean, like you I said, agree. out here, we've had this for a while. I mean, we we definitely have when it comes to the stakes races. We don't have the quantity. We clearly have the quality. So they kind of stacked them early and then had the bigger fields late. So the pick five could be a nice big payout to end a, a huge day at Santa Anita. So I, I like the way it's going. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything as uh, we jump into the Saturday card. If you want to follow along with us, we're looking at Saturday, April the 9th, and we're going to jump into race number four, which is the Santa Anita Oaks. And it's just a small field here, and towards the outside, you've got the very impressive Adair Manor, who is now coming to the Tim Yachtin barn. Tim Yachtin's got a lot of uh, a lot of live runners coming up over the uh, the next few weeks. Those Some of those horses that were transferred from the Baffert barn over. So two of them are right here with the Dare Manor and Under the Stars. I, I, the horse, to me, if you're looking at this race from a betting perspective at all, I've always been high on Ain't Easy. I like that filly going into the Breeders' Cup. She was probably going to be the, the third choice in the Breeders' Cup. And if you watch her race last time out, it seems exactly like you would have expected for a horse who hadn't run from October. I thought she ran really well. She was kind of down on the inside and she got pushed back a little bit. She wanted to go inside and then she got some room, but she didn't really like it down there. You could tell because as soon as they could, they, they angled her right off the rail immediately. And she was kind of shifting around and then she was tired late. She's the one. I think if you're looking to play this race, she feels like the most interesting from a gambling standpoint. Well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna throw a real big curveball to you. Please I mean, do. Obvi- uh, See, obviously, Adair up Manor up the ante. Uh, obviously, Adair Manor, right? Could could jog at at one to five, and the race is over. You know, and and under the stars is the other one. Uh, you know, clearly those are the two to beat. The interesting thing, I got I went into this afternoon thinking what you did. Now, if you go back and watch the Ain't Easy race. There wasn't a whole lot that separated Ain't Easy, Desert Dawn. I've right? always liked this filly a little bit too. Now go, I, I, I'm gonna, you're gonna play this, but when we get off doing our segment, this is your homework for this evening. I want you to go watch the April 3rd workout because Ain't Easy and Desert Dawn work together. To me, Desert Dawn 
looks a little better. Outworks ain't easy, and one of one of those horses is four to one, and the other one is twenty to one. And if so, you think about the, there are versions of this race for sure where ain't easy is going to get, I think, at least more aggressive or somewhat aggressive to push the other two horses at least stay within striking range of them. So if we saw, you know, ain't easy going to the front, if you saw, you know, a dare manner and under the stars who are owned by different groups, right? It's not as if they're owned by the same ownership group. So maybe they sit off each other a little bit. They may both want to be forwardly placed there. If this race is run, like I just, I think about things like this in my head, right? If this race is run a hundred times, there are a lot of versions of it where those three horses maybe are so worried about each other that they're pressing each other. One tries to move early while Desert Dawn sits maybe five lengths behind, lets it all develop and swoops them. Yeah. I mean, look, probably, like you said, you run it in your head. That that, that could happen. I mean, maybe we just move on and take a dare manner and she's just so good. It's a, it's a afterthought in this race, but at no, a huge I like that. price, that doesn't shock me. So no, just, just throwing that out there. I like that. I, want, I like that. I want you to go watch that work. I will. XBTV after uh, we get done talking. Which is a good shout out. And uh, you can uh, make a lot of your wagers this weekend over at Express Bet or First Bet. I'm talking uh, there about our buddy Tyler, who was telling me about the uh, the pick five that they were going to look forward to this weekend. And then I was looking at some of the, the graded stakes. I was like, oh, yeah, it'll probably be short. And then I started flipping to the pick five. I was like, oh, wow. That's what they did. They stacked all of the the really, really big fields. So the late pick four, pick five, and those things are going to be awesome. And uh, we'll talk about a couple of them here on uh, on this show. And you'll hear about a lot of those races, too, on uh, on the morning line sports show with Chappie on Saturday morning from 8 to 9. You can check that out on AM 830 on the radio. You can also check it out on Twitter. You have the live stream, Instagram, Facebook, every, everywhere. It's yeah, all over. That's the, right. It's all over the place. People are See, like bootlegging it all over you know and i I see it popping up in the windows when i walk by donuts donut shops it's all over you know (laughs) yeah it's tml am 830 on twitter live instagram live and facebook live so we don't just do it on the radio which is pretty cool and we let it run the whole time so you can watch us and we you know talking nonsense during the commercials and everything else so it's just kind of a different look into how we do the show so it's you know we have a lot of fun in there oh yeah this week, it is uh, 100% all about horse racing. We're not uh, covering anything else other than that because it's such a big day. So yeah. it's all horse racing all the time this weekend uh, from 8 to 9. Very cool. They'll bounce all around and uh, give you uh, some great handicapping uh, analysis, some angles, some plays from different guests throughout as we move along to the Run Happy Santa Anita Derby in race number six. So they'll go a mile and an eighth there. And I mean, on paper, it's Sort of a two-horse race between Forbidden Kingdom and Messier. Now that we know Messier will have the opportunity to gain points and move along, it, it between this race and then at Keeneland in the Bluegrass, there are I mean, three, maybe four horses that, if they won, they'd put themselves right in the top tier, and maybe a few of them running well will all will all put themselves in the top tier. And honestly, uh, it, recently the history hasn't been quite as strong. But there are three, on paper at least, pretty good horses that have some good credentials running at Aqueduct in the wood. So we, we're we going to know a lot this weekend as far as 
you know, what this crop looks like, who's going to take a lot of money and sort of kind of start to separate these horses in tears. And so while this may not be a, a great gambling race, this is going to be an important race to see where everybody stacks up. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, all over the country, like you said, and, and we just talked about a strategy and we're going to go right back to the strategy again in here because, you know, it's interesting. I've been on Forbidden Kingdom. I actually singled Forbidden Kingdom uh, when he broke his maiden back at Del Mar. And I love that horse almost at five to one, a little over four to one that day. So I bet Forbidden Kingdom since since jump. But now Yachtin has three horses in the yeah. race. I mean, Forbidden Kingdom is so fast. But someone, I know the last time, Armagnac, if that's how you pronounce it, tried. Sort of tried. But right? now they got a sprinter that, that's literally on the outside that's shown legitimate sprint speed that can push this horse. And Messier, I, you know, I, I, I had this conversation with someone today at Santa Anita, and, and, and I think you're seeing it the same way as I do. Messier is a big, giant horse, and I, I, I think they, they got to send somebody here, right, to let it mm-hmm. set up for Messier. Because he's just one of those sit in the clear and kind of just tip. You either want him to be you want him to be forwardly placed so that way he's not in trouble. And and you don't actually don't mind if he's a little bit like wide and giving up some ground. You know, you just want him to stay smooth. And, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's just it's hard from a betting standpoint. How about your guy? Happy Jack shock in the world. Oh, my gosh. I went to see Happy Jack at the barn today and I, I gave him a little pep talk. Because that was my uh, future bet. I, you know, I, I haven't seen much from Happy Jack in the last two races. Um, you know, the only thing I can say is on March fifth in the San Felipe, that that day speed was king of all kings. There's no excuses because Happy Jack didn't run much. I'm I, I I can't give up hope, Gino. I've got the horse that I know whatever to one. So get uh, get yourself in the starting gate and yeah, uh, you know, give <laughs> yeah, yourself an opportunity. Sure. What runs, do they say? A, ch- a chip in a chair, right? That's exactly. Run, so. run second or third here, and uh, I mean, I had to win the day last time in that race at nine to one, and uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if win the day ran third in here. Someone's gonna run third, right? Yeah, you know, right. It, because you feel like Taiba showed some speed in between, and then was down towards the inside. It was actually pretty impressive. The horse didn't. It wasn't one of those just go right to the lead. Just kind of sit right off and crush This horse was kind of in between horses And had two to the outside pressing all the way But now You know so there's some talent there for sure But can they go from six To a mile and an eighth Trying to do that right next to Forbidden Kingdom all the way I I I can't play it out in my head You know what, yeah, you're right. And what's funny is I just watched the replay of that race and I wrote down about what you said. First of all, I said between horses, I don't know how much, you know, who he beat in there. And he looked on the turn like he was kind of all in. And when he turned mm-hmm. from home, he he, just, he looked like he was struggling. When he changed leads, he just put him away. Bloated late. So but this is asking an awful lot, right? I mean, obviously yeah. Messier is tough and Forbidden Kingdom is just so fast. I I I I don't know where longer where it goes. I mean, if he wins, it'll be real. Because if you think about the the horses sort of at the top tier right now, you know, you've got at the center who's been doing really good in Louisiana out there right. in those prep races, the fairgrounds, and then you've got uh, White Abario who wants to sort of be forwardly placed. He can sit a little bit, but he wants to be close up. It's another year where it's like 
if Forbidden Kingdom just runs them off their feet here again, we're going to be looking at like yeah. all of these top tier choices as really fast horses too. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting. And then, you know, it's good to see Papa Mandela back in the mix with a derby horse. And uh, it's just, it's just going to be a fascinating race pace wise, because for a bit in kingdom, like you said, he's going, man, you either go and, Mm-hmm. And he's peril. got to like I don't ever he's one of those horses that I just don't ever want to see not go You know that's that's his game he's an old school racehorse just go always They know what you're going to do but you're going to beat him most of the time And can anyone keep up with him here can they you know soften him up enough for What looks like and it does look like you got the three now right. Yaktine horses And you feel like the two of them will take their shots early And Messier will try to sit right behind and take his shot late no doubt, right? And if he survives all of that, then uh, maybe I'll, you know, maybe like you said, he's just too fast and too good in the in the Kentucky Derby. But there's, you mentioned it earlier, be so many things that are going to shake out Saturday afternoon, and we'll 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 know a lot more, not only here but all over the country. Couple more uh, races to peek at with the uh, Chappie here as we move along to the seventh race. It's the Royal Heroine. They'll go a mile on the turf course And it's a grade 2 event So going global is a grade 1 winner And this horse is really, really good When she's at her best The last time we saw her She had some trouble And then she just kind of She was in a bad spot She didn't finish all that well As a, a heavy favorite that day But that was a race that was taken off the turf So we can pretty much just put a line right through it And we can look back to you know her form last year And it was really, really good She's four for four on this turf course She's the one to beat But I mean from a pace standpoint You probably got Park Avenue Up on the front end who was pretty impressive On the you know on the turf last time out right Yeah that's the deal I mean you look At that I mean obviously we've always been High on going global since day one Um, Accelerina's Got a ton of talent Two D'Amato's shockingly He's got the good ones on the turf But pace wise Park Avenue I mean Javanika's not fast enough to keep up early with that horse. No, no. no. From a pace standpoint, this could get real interesting, and that was the first time Park Avenue's ever touched foot on the sod and obviously loved it. So, And she went a little longer, too, which is nice because you, you sort of – you're not worried about her speed being dulled because she's going to get the lead here short of, like, something crazy happening at the break. If everything goes smoothly, she's just accidentally two lengths faster than most of these. And she just c- clears over, lopes along. She's going to be tough to run down on the cutback. And I'm, I think this filly is really good because I remember, you know, her back to back really nice wins. And then she stepped up and she ran behind uh, as time goes by in the La Cunada. And then she was behind Marinanth. And I think both of those two have been retired. I'm pretty sure that they're both done. Um, she she's a little interesting because I actually liked her in that spot, and I thought you know she was good enough to maybe step up and compete. But you could sort you could see maybe her speed figures were a little low, and they were telling you that she wasn't quite as good as some of those. But visually, when I've watched her, I've always thought that Park Avenue was really really nice. And what we're starting to see now with you know Pratt leaving and Rispoli finishing up his business that. In the races that we're talking, a lot of these live, live mounts are ridden by who? Juan Hernandez. You know, he was on yep. Forbidden Kingdom. He's another one right here who 
it's really cool to see him getting these big mounts and probably going to get a lot more national and and you know international spotlight for winning these big races because he's a very good rider and he's super deserving. Yep, no question about it. And and, and going back to this race, I mean, like you said, I think Park Avenue is always supposed to have been a good horse, and maybe turf is the thing, and maybe pace is is the key here. I mean, going global takes horse and then yeah deserving to be four to five absolutely the funny the funniest thing is that is that the motto has two in here but they're not going to change either one of those styles so no they're, they're, there's no horse that's going to go out and and keep park avenue honest because because so jo- javonica will be play. super happy sitting second yep the, well, so it's like hey, well, let's sit second and see if we can pick up a slice here yep absolutely. and so yeah the outside horse isn't quick enough that's that's for me the way to play this seventh race there in the uh, the Royal Heroine. Let's mention one more race. I do want to uh, just plug that late pick five sequence, which starts in race number eight. You know, you got a Calbred Maiden 50 claimer going six, but you just got huge fields there. You got a nice Maiden special weight race following that with uh, lots of different directions you can go. You have then got the 10th race that I want to uh, touch base on, the Evening Jewel. They'll go six and a half furlongs on the dirt here. And Chappie, when we were talking a little before uh, we started to record, from a pace standpoint, I think in late exotics, I'll no doubt be including Professor's Pride, which guess who? Hernandez support too. You know, another one who just could be having a massive Saturday. And he she's really, really quick. But the horse who I think at a maybe a little under the radar and and could be a, a fine price is Ute Your Honor, the nine to the outside. She you, you go race by race through her career. She's done like nothing wrong Nothing And yeah. she's got two races now in a row Where she's got legitimate trouble Back to back And one of them I mean, she Her last start on March the 26th She had a slow start She was in tight inside So then she swung out early She moved up to fifth She's about two or three lengths off Then she runs into traffic She's bumped around It's a brutal trip She's just not supposed to win Yes, She has to back up And she has to angle all the way around Widest of all And she wins that race and Frank said something like, "Oh, yep, she was she she was supposed to win that race, or she uh, good thing glad she did. She earned it. It was it was kind of one of those funny kind of a smart snarky Frank you know lines that he'll use at the end, which I always love. There's great ways to uh like short, sweet, little concise statements about the race. And she's cool, man. She just she's not as classy as some of the others. She's probably not supposed to be as good as some of the other ones in here. She debuted against Calbred Maiden Fifties, but." She's run on both surfaces And it feels like six and a half on the dirt Should hit her right between the eyes And be a perfect trip for her Yeah, I agree with you And it's funny, the last time out I mean, I, the, I, you, you and I both like the single prices Unfortunately, I, I was in love with you, Your Honor and, and she ended up getting bet way down And went off as, you know, even money favorite Or eight to five But uh I needed her for my life and, and I got, I had three heart attacks during the race because she was so much the best, but she finally got up, but you touched on the two horses in here to me that are the two interesting ones. And there's a couple things about them too. Drawn. Well, I'm talking professor's pride and you, your honor. They're both drawn terrifically. Yep. They're both back to the dirt. They're both back to one turn and they have connections that go under the radar a little bit. Certainly mm-hmm. Eddie Truman does. He only has like four horses right now. And Cliff Sice does a terrific job and he doesn't get noticed either. And I think both of these horses you could get a price on. And I think those they're 
they're big, big players in this field. The only other horse that I was going to touch on in, in is an obvious one. Um, if you go back and once again, we touch on XBTV, but it's always so good to watch it yourself. Yep. Connie Swingle, that last work. April the April 3rd. third is, is legit. And that, that horse is abs. I, I wrote big work on there and that horse has clearly got a lot of talent, but I think professor's pride in you, your honor is going to give that horse um, everything she can handle from a, from a better outside draw. Chappie, we will uh, touch base again on Saturday morning. We'll also be uh, looking at those uh, pick'em contests, those Santa Anita pick'em contests this weekend. And what's cool about what the what the pick'em contest will look like for a while during NFL season was fun because we could focus, you know, those contests a lot around the NFL, and there would be a lot of NFL props. But now it's it's like we said, it's that time where there's a lot of different sports going on. So you can definitely get you know baseball in there. You can get Basketball in there there's going to be some hockey Stuff in the mix and then you mix those all in With different horse races and those contests Are free to play and they give you 500 bucks every Saturday and Sunday Yeah it's kind of cool like you said it's it's Everybody's enjoyed it How can you not enjoy something that's free anyways But now we're getting a little more variety And we can add some different things in there And put some uh, different props into the mix And it just makes it You know changes it up a little bit And uh, I, I invite everyone to get involved and pick them. And I definitely invite everybody to not only come out to Santa Anita, watch all these terrific races, but get involved in that late pick five, because I think it's going to pay. Yeah. It's going to be really good when you do get involved over at uh, express bet or a first bet. And uh chappy will, uh, we'll be talking again in the morning this, uh, this Saturday, tune in everyone 8 AM. If you're uh, out here in the Southern California area, AM 830. On your radios but you can follow it And find it all over the place uh, on Twitter at TMLA 830 you can click the link right There it'll take you right to the live stream Chappie my brother thank you so much It's always a, a blast catching up with you appreciate You uh, handicapping these races with Us and we'll uh, we'll try to make some money Again this weekend all right my brother I will talk to you Saturday morning and uh, good luck To everybody let's win some dough and let's have Some fun and should be a great Weekend of derby preps do not go anywhere, folks. We've got a lot more to dissect on a very busy Saturday of racing. Stay tuned here. That's what G said. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Chappie for helping out, and I'll be joining him every Saturday morning, sometime between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. Pacific time. So 11 to noon Eastern time if you're listening on the East Coast there. And uh, Always previewing whatever big races or big sporting events this weekend. All racing with all the the big Kentucky Derby preps around. And Sarah Candles, make sure to give them a look. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. As we head on over to our final segment, This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talked uh, the WWE portion earlier just a, a day or so ago. So if you're looking for WWE recaps on WrestleMania and Raw, we've got two and a half hours plus for you with Darren, with Andrew, and with Cooper. Right now we dive into NXT, Stand and Deliver, 
TV from Tuesday night, and then we get into AEW recapping Dynamite and taking a look at everything that's happening in the next couple weeks coming up with Rampage, Dynamite, and Battle of the Belts. Koopa Loop for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, when you hear those soothing sounds of the gardeners in the background, you know it's time (laughs) for another edition of This Week in Wrestling. And it's been the biggest time of the year when it comes to wrestling around WrestleMania week. So we've had double editions of This Week in Wrestling. We had the WrestleMania roundtable earlier in the week. We did that last week also where we recapped everything from WrestleMania night one, night two. We talked about Monday Night Raw and some of those storylines coming out. Heck, uh... We spent like two and a half hours going through everything for Mania with uh, with AC and with DZ along with Koopa Loop. So thanks again for pulling double duty this week, my man. It's It's been a fun, a crazy time, but it's been really good this year in, in, as far as all the wrestling stuff. Yeah, you couldn't ask for uh, – it had its moments, as, as you heard, but you couldn't ask for uh, a better season to end uh, and a new season to kick off as uh, I guess now – we uh, we have one little pay-per-view left for WWE before we make our official march to SummerSlam. Well, we are going to march on over and talk about Stand and Deliver and NXT and everything coming out of their show uh, over the weekend. And then what we saw on NXT TV where, uh, you know, we end- <laughs> I got to say, we, we ended NXT TV with a kidnapping. <laughs> so there's that. You know, just uh, keep an eye out, everyone, for, uh, you know, for Papa Steiner, because (laughs) who knows what's going on there. Um, We'll get to that in a moment. The one thing you and I talked about throughout the weekend and kind of as it shifted over to Tuesday night and I guess even through Monday night on Raw. Overall, I didn't have a problem with most of the the, the matches on the show on on Stand and Deliver. And then, like always, the in-ring work is pretty good. It's just some of the booking decisions were a little bit weird and a little bit wonky, and it really seemed like they kind of didn't care as much about the stand and deliver show as they did about maybe the Monday Night Raw after and the the Tuesday weekly TV show and what seems like a big show that they're going to be promoting to even next week where they they've got some ta- um, titles being defended. And I hate that. And I. You and I both we agree on a lot of things. Um, it's well, that's still, why we like we like a lot of the similar things in our wrestling, right? They're just yeah, the- and, and we're passionate about certain things. But I still, <laughs> where I'm going with this is, I just it frustrates me uh, to hear you say, and hopefully they're not thinking this, but I don't know why they wouldn't. If you're going, the same with AEW. If you're going this, to it was the same thing they over, did with Thunder Rosa and Britt. Yeah, so we're if you're talking going about to put some, yeah, if you're going to put somebody over on the pay per view and turn around the next night or two nights later on TV, lose the titles, and then we have another title change from the tag titles, which was held for two days. I mean, at least Ziggler got almost a month. 
yeah. the women's tag champs were champs for two days. That frustrates me because, oh, there's more eyes on the product. And I know but, there but is. And that the but women's one just, seems weird because that story felt like if they were going to do a Raquel and Dakota story, they could have done it better. And they you would've... and I both said it was really rushed. The week oh, up, it was like, where, where did this come from? She just came out to help. And then all of a sudden they're a tag team. And then you could just sense they were going to win. There was something weird about it. They won. And now all of a sudden... They're split up and Dakota's going for the 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 women's championship against Mandy. And she in a, and in a weird way, she kind of feels like she might win it. I wouldn't even be shocked. <laughs> it's you know, with the way everything's been going recently. Um so that's my what's take weird, is, you know. It's yeah, good you know, my my take is this on all of this as we as we dive into stand and deliver and NXT 2.0, because man, what a what a you know, period of three days for this brand, uh, two days, because we had a, a big title change on Raw. I think we're about to see a mass call up from NXT. I really Feel, do. Feels I, like I it. Just, I just feel like a lot of guys and gals are coming up, and uh, I, I think it bled in over to Tuesday night, and we have an Imperium breakup. And if the rumors are true, they only want a couple of people from that. I don't know why. I, I just, uh, I think we're about to see a mass landscape Monday shifting and, and, and Friday nights. Yeah. So we, we talked a little bit about the Raquel Dakota stuff. They beat toxic attraction on the pre-show match is fine. Went about okay. eight minutes. You know, it didn't really hit the next level, you know, nothing about it was bad, but it just didn't, didn't kick into the next gear. But uh shout out to Chad Cooper. I saw you um, doing the photo. Some, uh, you were doing the photo <laughs> shoot for uh, Gigi Dolan, right at, at her house. I saw that. Brother, let me tell you something. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I would still be missing. I yeah, I was going to say, Koopa right? Loop would not be, yeah, it would be gone. MIA <laughs> there. As, uh, we moved on to the uh, the main show. And this was one where I, I I thought they built this well over the over a while, right? With Grimes. This was one that we was predictable. We could kind of sense sure, it. Sure. We talked about it through the TV, but it was good. And you know what? It wasn't as if Grimes felt like him winning would be a very good choice But if they would have had Carmelo just hold on to it If they would have had Santos, if they would have had Solo Sokoa or Grayson I think they built all of them pretty well with thinking that Oh, you know, any one of them could have actually won that thing But Grimes' story to tell seemed the best he He's very relatable now, he's very likable I want to be careful because... I don't want him to get to th- this story about his dad and and winning the title and everything has been great. And now that he's told it, I want to make sure that he can be still a little bit fun, right? He doesn't have to be completely goofy, but that's what when when you're someone who has it kind of all, who you're good in the ring and you can, you know, think about how Kurt Angle was or someone like, you know, Gables even right now. You can you can be goofy a little and fun. And then also still get in the ring and kick ass. So I want to make sure that they don't just have him not fun at all because that's that's what makes him cool is that he's goofy and he's funny and he's likable. So I like what they're doing here, and uh, I like moving forward that he's already you know willing to you know put the title on the line a bunch. He's willing to you know the challenge like he's in a, a good spot right now, and I think he's someone that they're I think they're pretty high on. On him, you can just tell from if when you think about everyone in NXT for a while, he's one that's been you know on TV 
for how long now? I mean, how much TV time for the last six months to a year has he been getting? Probably more than anyone. Uh, this match um, was outright amazing. I know our, our good pal Andrew likes to give stars. I, I'm not a star guy because I, I, I don't know some of the matches that I like that some people don't, whatever. I just say this. Of all the WrestleMania Given the all the excitement we had in two nights, later that night on Saturday night and into Sunday with Stone Cold Steve Austin, this match uh, was better than any match over the weekend, and it got lost because of everything. Right? You had the Jackass segment, you had Brock Roman, you had Pat McAfee, you had Vince, you had. And if we were just saying like the best in ring matches, it would have been this, and then like Bianca and and Becky probably. But, but this anything, match was like an old school ladder match with all that awesome stuff that it was great, man. It was. I, I just, they're, they're, you know, maybe Grayson Waller injury is, is a little of a work. It looked rough. They haven't announced anything. And if you watched NXT on Tuesday night, he's already back. He's in a sling. He's in a storyline. But that's certainly going to change. We'll talk about that in a moment. But this match just had everything. And as you said, you've called it. You've been on this. You, you've been on fire uh, with these bookings. You've called you called uh, Cameron Grimes. I jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, it it could have been a, uh, any one of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting choice now what we're getting with Cameron and now Solo Sokoa. It, it looks like they're going in that, way, that direction because I'm with you. Let's be real careful here. WWE slash NXT, <laughs> as we've seen, uh, champions are not holding on to belts for very long. And I don't want to see him uh, this moment get wasted. I have nothing against Solo, but this is gonna this is an interesting choice for him because we have two faces uh, facing off for this title. But man, w- just kudos. What a way to start off Mania weekend. I know the first match was pre-show, but this... Outside of everything on Mania, this was lost because of the entertainment stuff on Saturday and Sunday night. But this was by far outside of Becky Bianca uh, up up there. This this was fantastic. So uh, next up, our boy Tony D <laughs> oh, gets the win. And uh, okay, so Tony gets the win over Champa. And I will say, you know, we love Tony D. We're we're. It. Where Tony D stands, but the AJ Galanti stuff is kind of it's kind of, I don't know if it's forced or I don't it, know what it is. I mean, it's it's I'm I'm like I'm not sure. It's bizarre. So AJ Galanti, um, you know, like a a, a hockey like GM, right? Something. Is yeah, like I don't like he he was a the Danbury. Thrasher's hockey GM. He was on the Netflix documentary. Um, I and I know a lot about sports and stuff. I don't really know this name or know him very well. And and it doesn't really matter, right? Because like, let me just compare. I don't really. I I didn't know Dan Lambert all that well, but I knew the name Dan Lambert at least. But I wouldn't have like been able to pick him out of a lineup before no, having watched sure, him come sure. on to AEW. But yeah. here's the thing about him: he's actually pretty good on the mic. Right, like he's pretty funny and he's pretty entertaining, and sometimes it's like weird that where they book him. But Dan Lambert could be an old, would have been an old school heel manager twenty years, thirty years ago when we were growing up. 
You know what I mean? Like the way he talks, the way he acts. Galanti, and I'm I'll give I'll give this, especially because I like Tony D. I'll give this a little bit more leeway and I'll give it a little bit of time. And I don't and I'll kind of say NXT, this wasn't a great job for you because I don't know how many times this guy's cut promos like this on live TV. And they were they had this guy out in the ring to do the the made man ceremony, and he had a lot of a lot of stuff to say. And yeah. he just he he didn't do a great job with it. Let's be honest. He was just kind of bumbling through his lines. And you could tell he got lost and he was sort of stuck. And it ain't easy. It's not no. easy when to go out hey, there live pal. like yeah, that. Good old JR. We're live, pal. We're live, exactly. Uh, yeah. Good old Sid said, Sid. Oh, let me start over. Oh, oh, oh we're, we're live, pal. pal. We're live, pal. That's <laughs> yeah, what it, it was. It was cringy a little bit because it was, it was you know it kind of reminded the- me of those some of those first couple uh yeah nxt 2.0s Early, when it was like yeah. carmelo and mandy in the ring when we were like ooh, they get this they guy get- is struggling he forgot things then they zoomed in to tony d's face because they had to pan somewhere else and tony is like you got this pal you got this yeah and it just look the nxt 2.0 audience this week was a little different. Oh, they were past. brutal. That's I'm glad they I'm were, glad you mentioned that. They and, it, and it was funny. They were it was at some spots a little funny, but I I, I got to say I hope this isn't like their audience moving forward because no, because then it's going to be hard to buy because they were bro- booing Braun. Everybody, they were booing all like all the baby faces. They yes, were even we talking trash to Grimes at some yes. point. Yeah, uh, you know they were saying you or you know what something kind of disrespectful they were weird they were really weird and not in like a a wrestlemania weekend just kind of crazy weird like they were just kind of trying to get themselves over yeah you know, they, they i hate that as an audience it. and so what i'm saying is this segment had absolutely no chance of no you're it. right he, he could have recovered um and then we find out later on in the night uh you know with with santos and legosmo it kind of Someone mentioned this. This is kind of like a a, a B rated version of the Sopranos versus yeah, Narcos. It was, I was going to say it's funny we got the family. You know what? I didn't mind once they got out of the ring. I actually when they interacted, the back outside, was fantastic. I had no yeah. problem with. Yes. Yeah, the match was good. And then when these two guys, when these two like groups sort of linked up outside. I didn't mind the interaction there. I actually think they might be able to do some fun stuff with, like you said, with the family kind of thing. And, you know, so, but Galanti, I don't know how much he can talk if they wanted, or maybe we'll see maybe next week or in the next couple of weeks, he's better. And if he is, we'll give him credit for it. But this did not, this could it be come- like, a, could, you know, could it be like the early Seinfeld? I think there was a couple of different, Characters for Seinfeld's mother, right? Or Jerry's dad, or Jerry's dad. Yeah, and they they switched on us in like season two. Could you see a new AJ Galante? They did that in the uh, in the Fresh Prince too, right? With with uh, Aunt Viv, Aunt Viv, one of them, right? Like after like season one or two, it's like oh wait, this. Yeah, Yeah, we could see it, but I don't know. I I don't. I don't. You know, hopefully there'll be tape segments with this guy, but it was it was it was a hard pill to swallow. So MSK gets the win. So this is this was sort of weird. Um, everything about the the tag stuff for the last couple, like about the month or so, seemed a little off because it just felt like it made so much sense for the Creed brothers to win this thing clean at the big show, and then all of a sudden they added MSK in there, and we were like, why are they adding MSK? And MSK is kind of acting a little bit heelish, so it seemed like MSK was going to be 
revealed as the ones that attacked the Creed brothers. Right. That would just make the most sense in the world, especially when MSK wins. Then you can come out on Tuesday, they can turn heel and say our plan worked. We attacked you, we got or you know, we got the belts and you know, blah blah blah, it worked. Now they went in this other direction where they've got a different team that was attacking the Creed brothers, plus you end up having the Creed brothers in a match anyways on the show versus Imperium where the Creed brothers get a win. I don't like a lot of this booking it was almost like the the Saturday show didn't exist, and that sucks. And that's that, supposed that's, to be a big show, right? And, and that's I one that we kept thinking we. And it what's hard for us as fans is like we are in the mindset of the old NXT with the takeovers, how it used to be. You build to a big show, and then that big show is one that knocks your socks off, has a you know a couple 15, 20 minute matches. Usually the title changes, and then. People move up or kind of move along And the the show itself was good But it didn't Knowing what we've seen on Monday and Tuesday Now it, it felt not Quite as important as just the, the TV and everything else around it I hope we're not setting A trend here because uh, Yeah The the ratings were, were pretty strong For NXT 2.0 On Tuesday night kind of the fallout We saw what happened on Raw Um with Braun, and we'll get to that in just a second. So the ratings were strong, but NXT puts on these amazing specialty shows. They're no longer takeovers anymore, but the previous two or three that they've done, starting with War Games, and then we had, uh, what was it, uh, One Near Valentine's that was really, really good. And they, we, we talked these were pivotal moments for this company, for this brand to grow, and they 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 earned it. They reached it. They they hit that that bar. This sets it back some, in, in my opinion. That's why I think we're getting a mass exodus. If not, it's going to be hard to invest in these specialty shows. And look, when is the next time we're going to get an NXT show standalone on the weekend? I, I don't know. Will it be WrestleMania? Um, or excuse me, will it be SummerSlam? SummerSlam, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. man, it's it's hard to invest when you think, hey, two or three nights later, these guys and girls are going to drop the belt. So eh, I don't know. It's just really frustrating. And then now maybe WWE, they, they, no, maybe they had probably no clue what was going to happen on social media this week after MSK wins the title. I mean, the elephant in the room is now Nash Carter, right? Yep. He so, got released. They released him for his girlfriend posted pictures of and, and talked about how She'd been hit by him But it was it was a very Weird kind of situation Because she was yeah. kind of posting positive stuff Throughout the weekend and then And it's not as if that you that can't be done Right nothing's linear it's not It's not like a no, there's formula no time limit on that. Look, but, There's no time limit and then there's You know we talked about it then there's photos Of him for you know taking A picture acting like he was Hitler I, And I, so he got released that, that That's why and so now You have Nothing. You don't have a tag team with a title. Who and they're supposed Tuesday to be night. defending that show on that on Tuesday night. So I, I mean, they'll probably just shoehorn. Well, you know, supposed to work with Grace Waller and 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 Sango, right? That's it, who came back. So who do you? What do you? What do we do? Are we having like a tournament now? You put the I Creed brothers know. right in, or do you just put the Creed brothers in that match for the tag team titles? I think. Look, 
I, I, there's just a lot to digest here in a short period of time. I know. Thankfully, they and have it's not great. Tuesday. No, and it's we're, not. we love not. NXT. A lot of the, and the in-ring stuff oh, is good. I, it's I, all good. But I don't like the way they book this stuff. And if they, if no, it, it was, was rough, it's been a rough week for NXT. Stand it, and deliver. I, I, there was, eh, it was the middle of it. Eh, it was okay. Um, but what happened on Monday night, heading into Tuesday, it was, uh, the show was was good. The main event was spectacular. Which which um, again was sort of weird because it felt like why didn't we promote that match? God. That felt like it could have been your main event of your next show that you built to and a program that you built to. And I have no problem with the result or anything, but Walter so rarely loses clean like ever. Don't try to make that maybe a bigger deal. I felt and, I, I felt even before at the, the, the opening match of NXT when the Creed brothers defeated Imperium, right? And then who walked out? Was it Marcel or Fabian that walked out? I Mar- don't know which one is which. Yeah, I think Marcel walked out, and then we found out that it was the guys from NXT UK that actually Pretty attacked deadly. the Creed right. brothers. They're called so, Pretty Deadly. Yeah. Well, we had a walkout, and I thought, oh, God. You know, Gunther, a.k.a. Walter, is in the main event. There's no way he's winning this title tonight. I thought in the beginning, I'm like, man, yeah, maybe Braun walked is moving out. Yeah. up. Maybe Braun is moving up quicker than we thought. Uh, because if Braun loses his title tonight, he's gone. Uh, he's going to be in trouble in, in NXT. So, with all this stuff happening, Walter losing in this hell of a main event that was just fantastic. The only I, the only reason I see is these guys are Gunther is these guys are moving up pretty quick. Yeah, that must be. We may we may see them on Friday night. We may see them tomorrow night here. He, I could see him being someone that they even pushed right towards the top to face Roman, just because I, he's, he's he's got over. the size. Well, sure. you know that's that's the reason why because he's big enough. I could if Roman's healthy, but he's someone that you could put in there and have Roman beat and go back and forth. I don't know if they think that highly of him, but I could see it. You know, he's always actually been treated pretty well in NXT and in NXT UK. They've treated him like he was a top, top star. And but he's a hell of a worker. He is. So that does feel like, and he, he could tell against LA Knight in, in his match on the, uh, on the show in uh, the, the Gunther LA Knight match. It was good, but it wasn't, it was more of a WWE style than a Gunther style. So you could, yeah, I think that's a good point. That's a you know, very good point. And I think he's trying to work that way a little bit more. So maybe we do see him show up on the main roster. Since we're talking about LA night, he was not on program programming Tuesday night, Friday. Come on, Friday, Friday or next Monday. Automatically he's gone, right? He's got to be gone. Maybe you, they waited till Monday of next week because last week there was the college basketball game too. And And it was Cody. You had Cody. Cody and Roman. Yeah. You had Cody there. You had Roman there and you had Veer. You know, obviously, <laughs> you had Veer, Mahan, you know, Veer showed up, Veer came, Veer came, <sighs> so um, finishing up on the uh, stand and deliver and with the NXT portion, Mandy Rose, which I thought was pretty surprising, we we felt like it might have been Cora's time, but when they flipped this and didn't make it one-on-one, that was another thing, Weird. if you're watching in the stories they were telling for the last couple months, it felt like Cora was the one they were Trying to anoint as like the next singles champ, and then all of a sudden they have Eo and Kaylee win the Dusty, and then 
out of nowhere they just decide they're going to go for the women's championship even though that's never been something that was an option or told they could do <laughs> uh, so that was sort of the maybe and the now this, and, and Gino to see it all play out with with Mandy winning and then Raquel and the Coda going over and then them losing on Tuesday night none of this makes sense. sense and we didn't see Cora on Tuesday night and it looks as if Dakota is now the number one contender uh, for Mandy's title, even though Wendy Chu got involved in this match on Tuesday night. So there's some odd shuffling going on right now. I, look, there's no way that I think Cora is moving up. There's no, no way. way. She's just not uh, ready. No, she's way I, too. I just, I just think it was odd not to not to have her back on uh, yeah. on Tuesday night. I agree. And uh, we uh, just talked uh, We just talked about Gunther and LA Knight and then Ziggler and Braun Breaker. The match was good. I mean, all their work Together has been really good They had another good one on Monday Night Raw And I was just really surprised That he lost pretty clean In this match And then you have him come back Monday night Beat Ziggler pretty clean And when he comes out And the promos that he that he cut at the beginning That crowd was just destroying him Saying yeah, we tough. want Ziggler He was struggling a little bit You could tell Because I, I don't think he was like expecting it Or I don't think he was it's Like what the hell what did I do Why you know what and um, and you know, just, say, it was right there in their hands, Gino. Even for stand and deliver, for Rick Steiner to be there to help put him over. And now we're doing a kidnap angle. I I, I don't mind that Gacy is the next guy for Braun because <laughs> Gacy, th- this gimmick is not going in anywhere. Um, I was once hot on it. I, I I'm it, it's. Ugh, I'm bearish. I, I don't want to be anything near it now. It just it's no good. Now he's kidnapping. I just think a moment with Braun at the beginning of the show and Rick Steiner, and then if you want Gracie and Holland or Gacy and Holland to come out and beat up Braun and then take Steiner, that's that that's some good stuff you can start off with. But when when Guther came out, I thought, oh my God, Braun's in trouble. Braun's in trouble. I do too. I thought he was going to lose. I um I agree. They they could have told this story a little bit better with Braun. I don't know why they've been shying away from the the Rick Steiner stuff, especially when he was going to go into the Hall of Fame. It would have made so much sense to have the guy around on TV, kind of helping out and just getting the the crowd over, uh, getting the crowd to help get this this guy over. So yeah, I um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I I don't love exactly what they've done here. So. Creed Brothers Imperium We spoke about that Yeah, Loomis versus Hudson <laughs> No DQ I mean, we just got uh, I, I was Was it Wrestling Inc? Or someone said Are these Are they just gonna be swingers? Is that what we're gonna go for here? <laughs> are we gonna lead to like They're just like Hey, by the way Let's just switch up partners And go the I don't know where they're going With this With these You know Couples And, and with, with this stuff It's It's You know They, they had the Who look better <laughs> on social media over the which weekend was, Which was, I'm usually in for silly gimmicks It just, that didn't do anything for me And look, the match on Monday We had a, well, did, didn't we have a Dexter Loomis versus Duke Hudson match And we go to a double count out That ends with both couples together Making out I thought the couples were just going to switch I thought they were like Indy would end up with on top of Duke and Persia would end up on top of, of Dexter. I don't know what's going on here. It, it just seems like what could have been, 
I think when Gargano, when when Austin Theory left, Gargano, you know, Candace has the baby. It, it kind of left Indy in a, in a n- no woman's land. And I don't think Persia has done her any favor. I have nothing against her. I just think it, it, there's been no build to this. I'll tell you one person who's doing well, though, is Nikita Lyons. She's over. Holy cow. She, yes, and sir. every time she's out, social media loves her. She's just got a unique look to her. She's a she's a sexy woman who's big, and she's tough, and she's badass. And I actually thought this match was kind of fun. It was better than we saw when these two te- when these two linked up before. They're improved. It's never going to be completely smooth, but they're both pretty athletic especially lash and she's going to improve at the more and more she works so i like that they were talking about how she uh you know her nba or her rebounding records in college basketball and some of that stuff i just that reminded me of jr stuff that he would have thrown in there you know little little tidbits here and there and i actually enjoyed a lot of that match i thought it was it was better than what i was expecting it to be i was a little bit worried because they're so they're both sort of you know inexperienced uh it shows you how good uh, Nikita is. I, look, we saw Lash uh, several weeks ago in a really, really nasty match. It was not good. Someone got injured. I, f- I forgot the young lady's name. I'm sorry. I just forgot because she was new, um, and we just hadn't seen her. Um, I thought, oh, my gosh. Uh, I-, I don't know what to expect here. Um, Gino, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't know how long. Nikita can stay down in NXT. And I'm not saying this that negatively. Let, let me rephrase that. I don't know how long Nikita is going to be on this NXT 2.0 brand. I know that WWE has a ton of female talent. We have Bailey coming back. We have Asuka coming back. I mentioned but not like her. She's no, unique. And look, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Lacey Evans is coming back. And from what I'm being told now, Lacey is going to be uh, she's going to pick up where she left off on Raw before she uh, announced her pregnancy with her and Charlotte were in a program. I'm hearing Lacey is set to return, but you beat me to it. Ah, this She is special, and I know that's a loaded locker room. She's special. She is really special, and uh, I, I again, I, I like to use your line often. you got to strike while the iron's hot. If, if, if Mandy is going to keep this title... Nikita is not even somebody that even needs this title in NXT. I don't no. know, other than getting her ring awareness, savviness, camera time, promo stuff down, I would elevate her as soon as possible. That's just how – look, man, I thought her gimmick in the beginning was she was singing. There's this rock band stuff. I went, uh, is she going to be a Tiffany Stratton? Is this just eh, – what, what is happening here? She's a star, Gino. Absolute star. And that match was really good. I know there were some people that said, oh, this look rehearsed and all this. Look, it was so it was so smooth and solid for two younger wrestlers that it was that good. That speaks volumes on how much hard work these two ladies have been doing. How about we give them credit for that and them saying, oh, it was so spotty. It looked rehearsed. How about it was they did a pretty damn good job in the match. I, and they were at a decent pace. And yes. they're athletic, like some good story. They did. I agree. We uh, we'll shift on over and talk a little AEW. Opened the show on Dynamite with Adam Cole beating Christian Cage. And one thing we can sort of sense is 
it does feel like they're trying to get Rampage higher ratings because they've they've been struggling on it's a bad spot. Rampage on a on a Friday night late oh, yeah, like that, yeah, it's a bad, bad spot. It's after SmackDown and people have sort of ingrained their their Friday night to like knowing around SmackDown and they watch that. SmackDown does really well on Friday on it's different cuz they're on, you know, Fox, but it's a bad spot and they've kind of treated it like it wasn't as big of a show. But they're trying. You could sense they want to. They're trying to, you know, book some big things on Rampage over the next few weeks, and some of them are involved in the Cole Christian storyline. We'll talk with uh, the, the Nicole uh, and the Cole um, Page storyline. We'll talk about some of the stuff that's listed for the next few weeks throughout. But can you tell me how many TV <laughs> matches Christian Cage has had this year in 2022? Um, okay. And April the seventh. Take a guess. So we are. Give me an over under. Give me three. I'm a, I'm a total guy. Yep. Okay. How about this? <laughs> Two and a half. Oh. Ooh. This was his third match on TV. Coop. In oh. in in what? So that's what I mean. This was a guy who was main eventing for the world title and had the Impact World Championship last year, and we see him show up for little bits with the with Jungle Express. With Jurassic Express, we see him show up and you know help them out. He was sort of part of a group with them. It seems like they're gonna start to tell a story with him, but he has been on t- on TV matches. This is his third one now in over three months, into you know three and a half, almost a half months. So Adam Cole gets the win, and they are booking Adam Cole for. You know Adam Cole and Red Dragon For title matches Coming up soon After that match Red Dragon Christian comes out uh, Red Dragon attacks Christian Jurassic Express comes out for the save Hangman Page comes out And Cole says he's gonna He won't face him unless the title's on the line So we're gonna get Next week Texas Rampage It's gonna be a Texas death match Cole versus Hangman Page And we're also gonna get a tag team title match And I'm getting a little bit confused Coop Because we've got Rampage this week Friday and then we got Wednesday And Friday next week and Saturday Next week is that right we've got Wednesday right. Friday and Saturday Saturday is a battle of the belt show Right okay so, so. Let me, this, this is a lot to digest So let's let's go back to the Rampage Ratings thing uh, The ratings were not good last Friday night Wrestlemania weekend And um, Smackdown had a fantastic rating Rampage uh, was just not very good So yes, th- they are trying to I, Eric Bischoff kind of said it best And and I'll make this as quick as possible um, In order to make ROH a viable brand Which Tony Khan purchased um, AEW is kind of just kind of uh, Fell flat on growing a a steady audience on Wednesday nights. We, we it, it's basically nine hundred thousand to a million, maybe a million one two. We're not getting higher and higher. Okay, so we're going to focus now on Rampage. I'm with you. It's in a bad temp time slot. I just don't think the AEW people are even turning over there as much. Number one, because most of the time it's taped. Like this Friday night, the match. Hundred percent. A strong lineup. You have people just Dante, care less. 
When they know the results, they get spoiled. They they do. It it happened with NXT uh, several times over the last several years. You just and you can feel that it's a tape show. Look, and that's that's one of the the main reasons why Impact doesn't do very well. It just they tape, but um, they are trying to spice it up next Friday, which would be what the fifteenth. That's Good Friday. That rampage would be live, I believe. I think. Because if not, why wouldn't you have that title match, that Texas death match? Why we're having that again? I don't know. We saw it with Archer, and it just did nothing for me, uh, Hangman and Archer. Um, now you're kind of like putting Hangman in this. He's kind of a one-trick pony. You, you've got to put him in these death match style blood to get him over, and I don't like that about him. But why wouldn't you have that match on Battle of the Belts where the match – you're having Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa for the title. I, I don't know. Kudos for trying that, but you're really stretching your audience thin in two weeks or next week. So I'm, I like Max Caster more and more each week. You know, <laughs> he'll say some goofy, crazy stuff here and there. But the only thing about him that I, I just realized is I thought he was a lot younger than he is. Like, how how old would you guess Max Caster is? I don't know if you know oh, or not. Gee, I do not know. My, if I had to guess, uh, let's say 24, 25. Yeah, I think he's like 32. Ooh, I didn't know that. I let me I mean, let me confirm right now. But I'm okay, I, I, while you're while you're confirming, I will say this. You know, we talked about this last week or the week before that uh, when Caster had a spot. Yeah, he's 32. Yeah, thirty-two. See, well, I even... I thought didn't doesn't he feel like like oh yeah like a young guy who in a, like five years could be like a world champion type guy because he's got the look and he can talk. But when you know he's that a little bit older like that, now I it's funny. I feel I'm like oh I guess he's uh, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well look the the rap has been fantastic. I can't believe we actually had some fact checkers because part of his rap were was right with Samoa Joe that they were the ratings champion, meaning AEW, when they were going up against NXT while Samoa Joe was the champion. And I can't believe that a dirt sheet actually fact-checked, and it was wrong, because NXT uh, on Tuesdays, April 13, 2021, and Joe was champion only through August through September of That's so funny. That so is great. I can't believe that, but... But you got to give the guy credit. He he's very he's very clever. The match was okay. I and Joe's my, over. It was okay. You know, Joe's I, over. My, my my concern is this, or my 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 opinion is this. The same with Tony Storm. Why do we need these type of workers in tournaments? I don't get it. I, I don't know. think them winning it does anything because I think their stock is so high now. I think they should just be rolling through people. I don't think they need a. Uh, an Owen Hart moniker this com- award. This is this is a very good point. I agree with you, and it is because it's like what we talk about with the Royal Rumble, right? And it's now, like if Natty came over, Natalia came sure, over. Sure, that I would completely make understand. That would it make would a make lot of sense, sense. But this is a vehicle to maybe push someone who's in the middle of your card, have them go through a lot of these wins, start to stack up some credibility. Someone like Samoa Joe is made right now. You can put Samoa Joe into a feud with anyone. Samoa Joe is a bigger star than most of your roster. You know, just, you know, based on name recognition alone. And so I I, I, I agree with you. And the thing that worries me with, with him is that 
Although I do say um, I feel at least and maybe this is just me personally Like to me Joe feels like a bigger star Than a lot of people that they brought in So I'm, yeah, hoping, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm hoping he doesn't get Shuffled down the card but like And you know we saw Keith Lee At least we saw him in a segment here But he's been you know, relegated to Friday nights yeah, Swerve good. Scott and him are sort of on a like teamed up together. Um, where's the House of Black? Oh boy, uh, you weren't they like massive? Right? And like they were massively over when he was beating Cody. He was like the biggest new, like most buzz guy on the. Uh, so that's you know uh, they call him <laughs> one of the one of the shows calls him AE debut. <laughs> you know, like, you know this would do really well. Funny. I think it's. Uh, I, you know, there's so many things we. Again, you know, we we're we're everyone says not everyone, but we get a lot of flack. You and I both do after this show uh, gets put uh, gets put out to listen to and to download. And all of these amazing countries, thank you by the way. Oh yeah, for making uh, that's what G said. The one and only uh, top place to listen to all things sports, entertainment, and professional wrestling. But I, I look, we we hammered NXT. AEW's it's just been kind of floundering. Now we gave them a lot of credit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the, and, with the format of the show, we thought sort of changed look, in a good way. And somebody made it a point, like, "Hey, look, these guys. This is a continuation of WrestleMania. Look, look at, look at AEW Dynamite this week. Cole Cage, Samoa Joe, Sean Spears, The Hardys, um, F, you know, FTR. You got to give them credit. I just think." Again, there's so much stuff going on, and if they're going to make – oh, that's what I was going to say. If they're going to make ROH viable, these numbers have to grow to make ROH a big brand because they're already there. What I'm afraid is going to happen, Gino, and I don't know where your stand on, is on this because we, you know, this is a show in itself. I have a feeling a lot of these AEW originals, and you know who I'm talking about. Because we saw several of them on this ROH uh, tentpole show on Friday night in Dallas, Texas, happen. I'm afraid I'm afraid a lot of these AEW guys and gals are going to end up in ROH. Now I don't know if they're going to have a, a TV contract. I wouldn't think so. Uh, we know it's not going to be on TBS or TNT. Yeah, it um, might just be a YouTube thing again, or or, or a pay for play. I just think there's so many people on this roster that. It, it, it's hard to get guys and girls Spots in After they debut You debut them and then they're kind of not in it You don't put them into a storyline And then there are the, there are your three or four storylines That are your top storylines that people care about And then everything sure. else sort of feels like Oh here's someone having a good match But when they don't have This was our, our gripe with Punk at the very beginning And then boom As soon as Punk has flipped into having a purpose We've been all in on it all speaking in on of, it. Speaking when, of, was he on the show Wednesday night? No, right? Uh, I thought that was weird. I, I do expect him to be the number one contender. But yes, back to your point. Yeah, if you don't have a good match, I, you know, you it loses buzz. It loses a lot of buzz. And the House of Black didn't. Who came over? Uh, buddy, Buddy Lee, Buddy Murphy, Murphy, Murphy. Dude, you talk about zero buzz. Those guys probably. Put on a hell of a match on AEW Dark, you know, pre-show and after-show of Dynamite. But there's just look at the YouTube numbers; they're not there. They're just not there. I liked when uh, 
when Castro was doing his rap and Joe was kind of like responding to each thing that he would say. Yeah. Jo- you know, that it was made me- Joe was doing a really good job, kind of like, oh, yeah, you're right there. Okay. Like he was just sort of nodding, like, yeah, with making his facial expressions. And then it was like, the bell's going to ring. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to kick your ass. You know, it was just very like, just get ready. I'm going to kill you here. So uh, good luck to Joe. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Looks like Jay Lethal. Is uh, is probably where uh, the direction they're going Because Jay was in the back talking with Sanjay Dot. We then got Sean Spears Versus Captain Sean Dean And <laughs> um, Sean Dean gets the win After uh, you know the crowd loves Wardlow they've done a good job with him oh, He's, he's over. over he, he's he is over. massively over I don't have a problem with him being Barred or being di- like that Because that just plays into his character So I think they're doing everything right there For Sean Spears I mean, <laughs> Ty, Ty Dillinger, Ty Dillinger 10 from several years ago. I saw him at a house show in Lake Charles, Louisiana, WWE, and he was about to move up to the main roster. And I'm like, man, this guy is pretty stinking good. And man, oh man, you just get lost. You know, um, I, I just, I feel, look, he could be happy as a lark, you know, as the old country saying here in Texas, happy as a lark, which is the lark birds. They just sing and whistle all the sing. time, but. Man, he loses a lot. He yeah. loses a lot. We continue along. Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. Man, they <laughs> they need uh, to be on NXT with the with Index and all these. Stuff you're right. There. They do. They do need to be on NXT. And apparently, spoiler alert: on Friday night, the crowd just turned on them. And I don't, and th- this has to be. They they have to be doing this on purpose to be a turn, right? Like they can't oh, actually yeah, be thinking yeah. that people like them and are gonna want to cheer for what they're doing. This is talk about just the the flip in someone from a, a little while. And even if this is like, you know, the the heel storyline, it's a very cringy. It's not like a good heel storyline. It's yeah, Cody even made a comment about like what are my kids what are the kids doing since I left? Sammy's having sex with the title or he said something <laughs> he said something like that in one of his interviews, which was funny and uh, yeah, so that I, I don't love what they're doing there. We um we saw Kingston and Santana Ortiz brawling with the uh, the Jericho group earlier in the night and uh, Kingston called him a coward. So they Said they're going to be in New Orleans and they're going to beat their ass junkyard dog Butch Reed style. <laughs> now look, I marked out over that. I thought you would like that. Mid South UWF. I was a huge junkyard dog. I was a huge Butch Reed fan. Uh, I don't uh, know. Uh, how, uh, <laughs> I don't know how they even when he was the natural in WWF. You know when he bleached his hair blonde. I thought that was. Crazy, but you know, hey, it's WWF, and that's where you want to end up eventually. Um, I, I, I was just junkyard dog, Butch Reed. They had some wars. Uh, they turned on each other. All kind of good stuff. I don't know how many AEW fans knew it, but it's. I, I will say this: it's cool to hear AEW guys, and even some WWE, but not as much because it's a different type of entertainment product. AEW, those guys and girls will bring up. Some historic stuff And I think that that has gotten lost And it shouldn't You know I, I just think that's a, They pay homage to that and uh, kudos For Kingston to do that because 
hey man, that's that's the old territory days is uh, is is what built professional wrestling. It's what made Vince McMahon a, a billionaire. They do. It honestly feels like they should have like Starcade and some of those names, right? Absolutely. Just sort of like the way they would make Great a big American deal out of bash. it. Yeah, they'd Star-Cade. make a really big deal out of it and treat it more for wwe they don't for vince it's like they already have all their own names and all their own gimmicks and stuff you know it doesn't it doesn't mean as much to them you ever remember wwe would actually do a great american bash yeah pay-per-view but look i'm not talking about the old wcw where they actually do the gimmick on the beach in jacksonville or or, you're talking about like nwa like just like the way that style yeah man a a e w or a w a their big show was called wrestlecade you know, it was their knockoff to go after, uh, uh, you know, WrestleMania. That's what built professional wrestling. And mm-hmm. it, again, I'm hard on AEW, but kudos to these guys to bring up some of this old stuff because it's it's still, damn it, it's still real to me, Gino. We uh, we got a little more on the build up to uh, Jade and and uh, Marina Shafir. So. I'm kind of curious here. I mean, I don't think Jade is going to lose, but they have at least been building up Marina and kind of showing clips of, uh, of her. And she's someone who people know a little bit. So we'll see what goes on um, with the with the two of them. But uh, Jade yeah, looks like a star. Yeah, that hasn't been announced yet. So no, I, we don't they're, know. They're giving. They're working a program. They're training hard. I, I'm a little concerned about that match. I think it's going to be a slowdown type match. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of craziness. Uh, maybe this is on the battle of the belts. That'll be interesting. Cause there would be two women's title matches, uh, on that show. We've never seen that with AEW. Um, but at least, Hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you here. Uh, Jade has the look. Everyone has been saying she's a star. Doesn't she and this title just seem so much more important. And I'm then, not knocking it. Oh my God, please. Then, than Thunder Rosa, hundred percent W Women's title, hundred percent, and it's not even close. And, and it, she felt that way. She's felt that way even when Britt had it for a while. Hell, she's been on TV in matches, even though hey, look, a lot of them were botchy and ugly. But she she's been on TV every week yep. in the ring every week too. By the way, yep. And she's got a good look, and she's got a great presence, and uh, she continues to get better uh, on the mic, and uh, she's kind of really figuring out her character. Let's see if she can uh, can get a little better in the ring. Ah, uh, this Hardy's Butcher and Blade match was not good. This was ugly. No, it wasn't. Well, and, first and foremost, it was so freaking confusing. I thought a ladder or tables matches when you get put in through a table, it's over. I don't know how many people got put through tables in the first five seconds of the match. It was just awful. It was not good, man. No, and it's cool to see the Hardys out there to get yes. the pop, but they don't need to be wrestling. It's funny. They're the type of team that doesn't need to be wrestling every week. Boom. Okay. I was just about to touch on this. Jeff like, was you saying, have guys like teams that you want to see every week that are younger, that make more sense, but you got to build to the big matches in programs with the Hardys. And what's funny is you've got plenty of tag team. You could do that with the Bucks. You could do that with FTR. Claims, there's all, in the country, main event. There's a ton of teams. Red now. Dragon. You could do it with the. Um, uh, the Jurassic Express, all of them, you could have tag champions <laughs> to actual feud with the Hardys, Daniel Bryan and above, Danielson and Moxley, Sting and Darby, all of them. But they don't need to be wrestling in just sort of random, no DQ, Hardy gonna do crazy stuff matches because no. then it's not worth it. 
it's and not. it's not special anymore. And I talked about this with the Young Bucks, and I said it right when AEW started, then they got the TV program. What was special to me about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega is I had to try hard to find their matches. And when I saw their matches on New Japan, which was either on YouTube or ROH on Sinclair programming at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, it just, they were special. And now that we've paraded the Hardys around week in, week out, tables matches, uh, the Swanton bombs, it's not special anymore. And hey, look, the Hardys are stars. They're Hall of Famers. Jeff was in Houston on Sunday night at a friend of mine's, uh, he's got a music, a music hall, and he did a signing from 6 p.m. till 2 o'clock in the morning and played his guitar and you paid, that's how over this guy is. We don't want to be seeing them on TV every week in these style of matches. Number one, somebody's going to get hurt. Number two, it doesn't make them as special now. You know, it doesn't, they don't have to be on every week. And, and, I, and I feel like we're, they're, they're, they're trying to show WWE, hey, this is what you missed. Hey, this is what you're missing. Hey, this is, you know, just, it's not a good look. I don't think this match did anything for anyone involved in this match or the fans. No. I didn't like it at all And the Julia Hart So we got a little backstage With Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter That was fine was um, okay. Tony had a Not good video come out over the uh, weekend She which, was tired Gina <laughs> yeah. She was tired uh, But she She's not. She's looked fine on AEW TV so far I'll, I'll say sure, she's, she's looked good Like We're big Tony Storm fans so I hope she's she feels like a bigger star than most of this division. So I hope Absolutely. they they do a good job with her because now, like, where's Ruby Rojo? Yeah. Ruby so Ruby Yeah, you know? Same, so like, same difference. Nobody knows anymore. <laughs> gosh. It's such a bummer. Poor thing. And um, this, you know, Julia Hart-Sheeta match was an Owen Hart tournament qualifier. Sheeta gets the win. But this match just sort of felt like it was kind of in slow motion. It was. Because I don't think Julia Hart... Which I guess she's she's super young, there. right? She's right. Like she's really, really young. young, green. I, I don't think she probably needed to be in this match. That's why. Look, that's why we haven't seen the likes of Penelope Ford, who is fantastic personality, um, has the look, but they're really, really green. And I'm not into the business of putting really, really green people, whether they're male or female talent, against another one. Because it drags the match down and it makes the the other worker look bad too. Again, it just really didn't do anything for me. I don't know why some of these tournament matches like this are on TV. They need to be on either Rampage or they can go on YouTube. Well, or they could just do a really good job of like, like you said, on their YouTube channel, they could have yes. a whole catalog of like tournament yes. match, tournament match, tournament match. You could follow exclusive. along with exclusive. with the tournament exclusive yes. tournament and then show match. The, and then show the. Quarterfinals or semifinals and finals on TV. I like it. And you just use yeah. those matches from episodes of Dark and Elevation, you know, or Rampage even, but some, and then maybe build to the quarters and semis. But some of them you got to understand because it does, I think it does a little worse for them to be on TV. This is something that NXT is actually discussing is they're talking even about just going back to the network, maybe, or going back to Peacock is because they want to be more development. They want to have not necessarily have to be worried so much about ratings or, sure. you know, the, some of the younger people being out there when they're go, like working through some of their bumps. No bumps this last week, though. 
This might have been the best week ever for FTR. They did have a pretty good weekend. Honestly, I mean, this was a great, great week. They had a good weekend. They won the uh, Ring of Honor titles. They're your AAA tag team champions. And they, the, they're baby faces. They're over. It, it seemed like this came right on the heels of them being frustrated with their position. And, you know, shout out to Tony Khan. If he noticed and he heard them and they were a little bit upset, then since then, they've been treated like, th- they've literally been treated like the biggest star tag team out there that they have. They got wins over everyone recently And how much more important To them and the Bucks feel Than Jurassic Express who are the champs Dude let me tell you something I, Jurassic when have you seen them In a match meaningful On Wednesday night if so I don't Remember they're, um, they're relegated They're relegated to Rampage And that's unfortunate because you and I Were both really high On Jungle Boy everyone was When he signed with AEW this was the guy. He had the different look. He had the indie look. And look, companies evolve. They do, Gino. We know that. But AEW has definitely left that early moniker that we're going to be an indie-type company. And you and I have both have learned, and so have they, those indie-type companies don't always produce a lot of good ratings, maybe good matches, but sure is funny how AEW over the last several weeks now is Heavy, heavy on these veteran name brand um, uh, people you know, you're familiar with, uh, and it helps. Look, not all of the matches are going to be good, but the FTR Young Bucks, the FTR on Friday night, you saw Bobby Cruz in the ring. For those, you know, he's the original Ring of Honor uh, announcer. But it also helps when the Young Bucks are not wrestling on TV every week. And I think that helped this match even more. Koopa Loop, thank you for pulling double duty this week, my man. Next week, things will start to settle back down, back to normal. But uh, we'll see where they're heading. We'll see what the Friday night after WrestleMania SmackDown looks like uh, coming up tomorrow as uh, we record this on our normal Thursday slot. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a great weekend coming up, and we'll uh, chat again next week. You got it, Gino. That is Koopa Loop. The best in the biz right there. Give him a follow at the Chad Cooper. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on That's What G Said. Thanks so much, Chad Cooperloop, for helping us out again this week. And thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of That's What G Said podcast. We've got Masters preview, baseball previews on every single team in the league for you. And uh, we've got WrestleMania on our earlier show this week. This one was a lot of horse racing with a couple different guests. Speaking of which, thank you to Chappie. Thank you to David Aragona for helping us out there with Aqueduct and with Santa Anita and Eric and Chad helping us out, like always, with their weekly segments, uh, NBA with Eric and uh, wrestling with Chad Cooper. So this was NXT. This was AEW. We had Mania there. You need some Sam Houston for Friday, Saturday. Come give me a follow on social media. We'll have it for you on Twitter. Friday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time this weekend in Stable Duel. Friday evening, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to do a a Saturday preview of all the big Saturday stakes races. And I'll have Friday, Saturday Sam Houston for you. Woo! So much happening. Moon Knight. Coming to you next week. It never stops. It just keeps going. That's the way we like it. Have a great weekend, folks.